What's up, everyone? Chris Seglia, a.k.a. The Final Boss, here on The Best Damn Nerd Show, and I had to come on to make sure to kick off one of the most impactful shows we've had in a long time, the Transformers episode. Yes, I'm not on this one, but I just wanted to make sure that my voice was heard. I used to be Segliatron back in the day. So just to kick this off, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening to this on your favorite podcast app or online on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your your podcasts today. But please make sure to check out the Tenno Media Patreon on patreon.com slash media. You'll get some exclusive content of the nerds like Iron Nerd, as well as early access to all of our episodes. So now, best damn nerd show, transform and roll out. New card, what do you think? Get over here! That man is playing Galaga. I understood that reference. You shall not pass! So say we all. So say we all. Run with me. It's adamantium tasting time, boys. Well, maybe it's your number one. All wings report in. Welcome to your weekly interval. This is the Best Damn Nerd Show. I am your host, Microphone Alchemist, Bimbo Jimbo. With me tonight, Chief Science Officer of Star Labs, Mark Turex. Roll out, Autobots. And Hall of Fame cyber athlete, Jonathan Craig. Hey, what's up, guys? Happy to be here. <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> want a Transformers quote off the top. Uh, oh, give us, start, give us perhaps something uh, memorable from one of those Michael Bay films that you're going to be defending later <laughs> on in the program. Like, there's there's so many memorable lines that it's hard for me to just pick one. You mm. know? Or your money back. Yeah, well, that's there from the good one, but that's not <laughs> what John likes. Uh, welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show, everyone. And uh, yes, we are going to be talking uh, Transformers at great length. We watched Transformers War for Cyberfront Trilogy Siege it is chapter one uh, that just hit Netflix, and we're very excited to talk about that. And we're going to talk about some of the nostalgia that comes with talking the robots that are more than meets the eye, the robots in disguise that won our hearts all the way back in the 80s and have lasted all the way here into now. But before we get into that, uh, what have you guys been up to? John, what, What's uh, what's been going on? I've just been smoking and joking, you know, just just hanging out, <laughs> gaming a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have any big updates. Smoking well, meats. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to circle back to you in a moment because yeah. I know you've been watching a lot of movies. But, Mark, you watched a particular movie <laughs> that you wanted to bring up. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I really would. I watch on Amazon Prime right now uh, is the movie Vivarium with uh, Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> and Man, if you if you are Sans' child, uh, you should watch this movie to get a feel of what parenthood is like. It oh is, wow! Okay, it is a very interesting character study into uh, modern parenting. So okay, so specifically before we started recording tonight, Mark was like, "John, I got a movie for you," uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just very cryptic. And then I watched the trailer; it's a very creepy movie. And I was wondering, why did he recommend this to John particularly? <laughs> Dude, something about it, and I know it's like on on a different topic altogether, but something about it reminded me. Well, it reminds me a little bit of like Truman Show, but it also reminds me a little mm -hmm. bit of that movie um, Matt Damon was in, where he like gets shrunk. Do you remember that one? 
No, I don't remember. He that gets one. like he gets oh. like miniaturized. Yeah. So that so that like his bunny goes farther and like he can live this lavish lifestyle. Um, yeah, oh, something, vaguely. Like, yes. Weird, yeah. Something weird about it where it's like not quite sci fi. There's something like unnerving about the whole thing. It's it's it really that's, interesting. That's definitely this movie. So it, it starts off with these two characters uh, that are a couple and they're basically like off house hunting and they go and see this new like suburban housing track. And they're shown this one uh, property, this unit nine. And then when they're done and ready to like leave the property to go away, they they're basically stuck in like this suburban labyrinth and, and they're stuck in like this housing tract, this same house one after the next and really weird things start going on, including the presence of a child. Uh, and, and I don't want to like go too deep yeah. beyond that, but like, Seriously, like considering having kids or, or if you are are a new parent as well, watch this. You it'll scare you off. <laughs> it's it's it is a trip. It's a good watch, Worship. We've been quoting real. it around it's the house here the last I'm few o- days. I'm only nineteen months into parenthood, so it's it's I think it's too it's too close to home probably. <laughs> it's still too fresh for John. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the my main takeaway from the trailer, and this is this is a little bit of an aside, but when in the trailer it shows them trying to exit in the very Twilight Zone fashion, they just keep going yeah. around and around in a circle, not being able to find the exit. So, uh, in the, my my previous podcast that was dealt with wrestling in the click, we once picked up uh, pro wrestling legend Chris Jericho from the airport. My co-host Baby Huey and I, <laughs> and I was sitting in the back seat, and so we're trying to leave San Francisco International Airport. And my beloved co-host missed the the exit like at least three times. So we oh did the lap. Th- and I'm sure Chris Jericho probably just thought, what have I gotten myself into with these two marks? I, like, as you're telling this story, I'm thinking, like, why did he agree to get picked up by some <laughs> random podcast well, that, in that's, the age of Uber? Right. That's a it's that's a long story in and of itself, but it just was in watching that trailer, I was like, Oh, this is the this is Chris Jericho at the airport all over again, the poor it guy. Also, <laughs> and it's also how I imagine like people come to live in places like Fresno, California. Like, <laughs> they no, just can't look, find the exit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe their car broke down, they got a flat tire, and then they just never found their way out. You know, they just is a, a good there. spot. Fresno's a good spot. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> I have family there. No no disrespect, but you know. <laughs> we're, heroes we're just... comics great comic shop go there, wow. check it out hopefully they're open can Both even out their way can even reference the comic shop in fresno uh but john yep. keeping it on the movie track you yep. were watching a lot of uh dceu in preparation yep. for a show that we already did uh <laughs> yeah i started preparing for it i started preparing for it the week after we recorded it which yeah perfect great. you love you love uh, to see that happen but yeah so i i i Man of Steel, unfortunately, is not available on HBO Max, uh, which sucks. And it's really annoying. Um, but at least at the time of recording this. But uh, I watched uh, Batman vs. Superman. And then I started watching. I'm about halfway through Justice League. I watched it in spurts between stuff at work. And dude, I love them. They're great movies. Yeah. We, why we, you're such a hater. Fantastic. Do exactly what a movie should do. Entertain yeah. you. Well, hold, here's hold, on. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. In retrospect, well, hold on. Before you say anything, James, in retrospect, like thinking about that episode and the recording process, I I expected you guys to be a lot harder on uh, DC movies than you were. And yeah. I think, and I think by the end of the episode, it's apparent that like everyone on this show generally liked all the DC movies that have come out in the last 10 years. 
I, I think I think How that, could you not? I think yeah. with the DC movies again, I think I even said to you in, in Discord, which by the way, bestdamnerdshow.com slash Discord if you want to join the conversation, is that I think there's a certain amount of a grade on a curve aspect. It's it's that look, DC has given us great movies, whether it's the Nolan Batman films, the even more superior Tim Burton Batman films that preceded them. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, they're in Justice League itself. We're going to talk Zack Snyder again this week. I enjoy Justice League and I and I tried to make that abundantly apparent in, in you know, the episode when we were talking about DCEU and point out the things from those movies, even though flawed, the things that I really like. Look, the Marvel movies are flawed, and I still like a great deal of them. What people choose to focus on is that when I offer things that were maybe not as good as they should have been, they narrow in on that and say, oh, you just hate everything. It's like, no, when I say that something is too comedic, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that the whole thing is bad or that every Marvel movie is bad. Some of them are. And the most recent one that comes out doesn't automatically make it the best or just because you're giving us a Superman movie doesn't mean it's good. Some of them are. Some of them are on that on that note, though, like the tone of of the MCU is more lighthearted, is more aimed at children. Uh, I mean, the cut I watched of Batman versus Superman was rated R. So it's it's definitely not intended for children. And uh, I think it's it's a breath of fresh air, you know, like, yeah, but I like the Marvel. I like the Marvel movies I've seen. I've seen maybe, you know, two thirds of them and they're they're always a fun ride. They are definitely a lot more. Always. There's not a lot at stake, even even in the ones where they're trying to set it up like the world is about to end. Whereas, you know, in in the DC movies, like it, it, everything feels so grave, like all these things that are happening. And and I kind of dig that it's a breath of fresh air. I don't want every Batman movie and every Superman movie to feel like ones that have already come out. I, in fact, I don't think they should be anything like the ones that have already come out. I think that they should do new stuff every time they, they redo it. Yeah. I, I think it's important to note, you know, all of us were children once. So it's great when Disney puts out a great popcorn flick, like what they've done with the Marvel movies, but sometimes you want to grow up and go see a man movie, you know, it's okay. to grow up a little bit and see the world for what it is. And right. it's nice to watch those stories too. Yeah, no. And DC does do a lot, a lot of things well, and they don't punctuate scenes with needless jokes oftentimes like Marvel does. And a lot of the early MCU while still having some lighthearted moments, isn't overly saturated by them and things that are intended for children can still be serious and take you through the gamut of emotions and i will reference avatar the last airbender again as shows that let you do that and i'll reference a comedy that is geared towards adults that lets you do that and that that's deadpool one and deadpool two spoilers for those who haven't seen it apologies but you haven't seen it mark no Oh well, you guys already ruined it last time. Sorry, buddy. Well, they they guys... they ki- they kill his girlfriend slash fiance in the very beginning, and it's emotional. And they and this is a this is a superhero comedy film. It's a comic. It's a comedic character that is Deadpool in many ways, and they let you feel all of that. And I didn't mean to get bogged down in an MCU thing. That's a whole conversation no, for another it's, time. You can't help it's yourself. Valid, it's you can't help yourself. You just always go down I, it. I think. I, I think. <laughs> What I what I've been been enjoying about my watch throughs now, you know, and, and again, this episode is not our DCEU episode that that was last. No, week. but I do want to put a bow on the the topic yeah, because there are but, a few things I want to address. But I I've been enjoying the watches, and look, I'm a huge fan of the Nolan movies, and and even the third one, like I I'm I forgive that one a lot more than other people do. I feel like they picked up the baton and they really carried it and moved it forward with with 
these movies that have that have followed i don't think they are rewriting history i think that everything still kind of fits into the world in some way even though you know technically dceu starts with uh man of seal or wherever you want to draw that line in the sand um and yeah i think they're i think they're very refreshing like like when you look back at the at the catalog of batman movies i'm glad that we have the schumacher movies as I'm glad that we have the Tim Burton movies and I'm glad that we have the Nolan movies and I'm glad that we have these Snyder ones. Like you get so many different takes on it and it's fun that way. And then if you yeah. go even further back in history, you have the like really, you know, kind of over the top, silly, bright. Adam uh, West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's cool. Like I'm, I'm of the mindset and this is James where you and I disagree a lot. I think is I'm of the mindset where it's okay to do new things with the same framework of a story and where I think at least what I heard in, in last week's episode a lot was like, you, you guys don't want to see a reinvented Superman and reinvented Batman. Like you want, you want to hit those notes that are expected of the characters and, and of their personalities. But in, um, in, in a, from yeah. a certain perspective, yes, when it is going to be so, incredibly mainstream and with the incredible hope that it is going to be there to stay for a while. And right. so, so honestly, when I'm coming at it, it's from a lens of optimism that, Hey, this is going to be our Superman for a protracted period of time. So in like, let's, let's play the hits here with him now. And again, I, I like the you, ca then casting then of Henry Cavill and I like right. aspects. I liked him in justice league. And so I, I do want to put a bow on the DCEU stuff, and we're, we're going to be talking uh, a pretty fair amount of DC today because we've got Let's some news on that front. But something that we didn't have time to get to in last episode, and last episode was a was a beast, and and, and I think a very good episode, and we could have gone even Top more thorough. We, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Certainly of the reboot, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but we could have gone through each movie in, in greater detail. But, you know, we have lives and stuff like that, even during a pandemic. But something that I fill too for later on, something that I had intended to hit on was what in something that DC has done very well and doesn't get enough credit for. And that is their television universe that they have created. The fact that they created a really intricate shared television universe, starting with Arrow, Stephen Amell, a phenomenal ambassador for the brand, for DC, for CW, for that wave of shows. Even even when, in my opinion, the show went completely off the rails pretty, pretty early on in its run, it still was very cool to me that one, we had a Green Arrow show that a lot of people were gravitating towards that begot this Flash TV show that was certainly in its first season, a lot of fun to watch. And it, you know, created this whole other, the, they call it the Arrowverse or what, or what have you. And, yep. and that was something that DC and CW and Stephen Amell and everyone involved deserves an awful lot of credit for. And it, it was something that I had meant to bring up because that's something that they, I think have done unequivocally better than Marvel agents of shield is absolute trash, just awful. And, you know, like now the Netflix debacle with, you know, the characters that they had on Netflix and are they going to reboot them or are they not kind of deal. CW, DC, pretty buttoned up in regard to their universe. They had crossover events, very comic book feeling. And, and, mm. and, and honestly, a lot of what I feel, especially given the technology that we now have and given the 
the episodic nature that is comic books, I think in a lot of ways they are better suited for TV than they are for movies. We had the same conversation like 11 years ago talking about Watchmen. Yeah. (laughs) And now it's come to life. Like my argument was like great movie, but should have been a miniseries. Yes. And And, and now Watchmen's on HBO too. Yeah. And the (laughs) same thing is true of, I think a lot of comic series like they, I think that they're just better as I think limited run series, honestly. Like give yeah. it a give it an end date and let it let it run its course and either move on to a new volume or or you know just move away from it entirely. I, I think in a perfect world you do these comic book TV series and their big events could culminate in a feature film, which I think would be pretty awesome. That I, be maybe cool. that's maybe that's pie in the sky. But Mark, I wanted to give you the floor a little bit on that because I know you hung on to a lot of the the Arrowverse shows longer than than I did. Yep, I actually uh, completed Arrow. Uh, and loved it. There were some seasons that definitely were lackluster. The habitual look, another person with a bow. Um, you know, <laughs> not not always the best arcs. Uh, but overall, how they packaged it up and finished with him, even what he became the Spectre in the end uh, with Crisis and Infinite Earths. Uh, the crossovers, like you mentioned, were really well done. Where at a you know at the final crossover this past year, they had four different series running, so they had four shows back to back across two nights to get a tell this this huge story so it's it's like your made for tv movie in that regard where you get like this little mini series encapsulating a big item like that but, but so much more it's so much more content like like going back to what james was saying like by doing tv shows you just get more and yeah, that can yeah. be a bad thing or that can be a really, really you can dive thing. in more, do more character development for sure. Especially the, as you mentioned, the comic book format could be extremely episodic in a sense with one shots and mini serials and things like that. And so getting to play with these characters over such a long period of time, especially when they have such a huge villain roster, when you think of things like Batman or Spider-Man, even where their villain and, and their foes are, are so great. You want to see them. And then it's almost like, oh, we had one shot to do it in a movie and, and it blew it. You know, yeah. I, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think fans sort of would be more sort of forgiving of the fact, oh, we're seeing the Joker again, but it's a TV show. So we're going to see more than just the Joker kind of deal. You know, mm-hmm. like we've seen the Joker a lot on film. Yep. And what I like with DC, too, is they've really expanded the types of shows they've done and, and across different networks. I mean, CW is very tweeny and, and beautiful and, and I, mm. I have a lot of fun with it, but yeah. they also did shows like Gotham and they did shows mm, like Constantine <laughs> and they even had, uh, you know, their, with their new network, they're doing Titans and they did Swamp Thing and uh, Doom Patrol. I mean, I'm so sad that we that can't Doom get Patrol like a, went a on good film. Swamp Thing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that, and it's fun that they're getting to explore these different mediums. Um, just as you're mentioning, that's one thing that they're doing right. I also want to throw out there the DC animated features yes. are far and away superb. There is some stinkers, but when you put out like three movies <laughs> a year, especially in recent history, there might be. Um, but but there's some all, all, really like good anything ones. Like, anything with Harley Quinn or Damian Wayne crap. Not I mean not necessarily true. Some of like the best Suicide Squads that that you will get to see is in animated. Suicide Squad yeah. hell to pay is amazing i i cannot recommend that animated feature enough the the more recent a uh, death of superman what was yeah. extremely good and, and it was very good. they already did that in a animated way 
a few years prior with Superman Doomsday, which was which was good, but but Death of Superman had so much heart brought into it. Uh, Jerry O'Connell killed it, and yeah, yeah I think so I think I had tears. I think too. I had tears in my eyes at one point in that movie. Like n- no irony there. It was it was very good, and I think Flashpoint Paradox stands atop pretty much any of the animated superhero films as just being the the very very best. It was so it was so good. Um, Batman and Harley great. Quinn, not so much. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> Gods and Monsters was really good. Um, Hush was really good until their curveball no, at the no, end. No, I'm not going to. Hush like, was that, good until the curveball <laughs> they decided to change in the animated movie at the end. Such, it was really a, good. Such a pile of <laughs> it, what? A, it was good until the end. Oh my yeah, god! Even if you if you don't know the story, you'll probably love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, but see, I did, and so I did not appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I want I want to give you know, DC it's, it's love in that regard too, because we, it was such a massive episode. So I wanted to put a bow on that and, and address some of the things that come up in talks with us and talks with listeners and things. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. We are going to get into our nerd news for the week and guess what? DC Zack Snyder and the gang, they pop up yeah. again on the other side on the best damn nerd show. You're listening to the 10 old 10 media network. Hey everyone, Chris Seglia here, CEO of the Tenno Media Network. I would like to say thank you for checking out one of our podcasts, but we need your help. You can support Tenno in a multitude of ways. By going to our website and checking out our latest podcasts, by buying some sweet merch, joining our Discord, or getting early and exclusive access to all content via our Patreon. Your support means the world to us, and you can find everything on our website, www. Dot ten dash o dot gg. That's t e n dash o dot gg. Thank you again, and now back to the show. And welcome back to the best damn nerd show. Bimbo Jimbo, Mark Trex, Jonathan Craig here with you, and we are going to get into our nerd news for the week. And uh, you know. We were talking, putting a bow on the DCEU, or so it would appear, because we picked a good time <laughs> to do that episode, because I'm logging on to uh, Twitter, and all of a sudden I just see this DC fandom trailer announcement hit, and everybody's losing their minds on social media and everything like that. I'm like, oh, okay, so let's see what this is all about. And they released, what, what I saw first with this was this cool little teaser trailer set to the iconic superman theme you know from the 70s and everything like that i just it was i I got hyped for it and so they are doing a a virtual con of their own you know they were pretty noticeably absent from comic-con at home and this is why because they're doing their own thing dc fandom august 22nd it is uh it is going to be a happening in the words of the late great gorilla monsoon uh, I, I'm hyped for this, and I want to talk about it and all the things that have sort of come out already as of this recording with you guys. But one small note before we get into all the good and things like that. Online, man, people in fandoms are weird sometimes, dude, because I saw not only fans on Twitter arguing about this and being mild, like I think upset is probably the appropriate word. Uh, I saw clickbait articles that, about that this. doing it? No, 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 no. Oh. That 
the DC fandom teaser trailer used the Christopher Reeve Superman theme. People were all up in their feelings that oh they need God. to just let that go away and that they should have like I saw multiple people like there's a new theme. They should have used that. And it's one of the most iconic pieces of music in film, certainly in superhero films. I thought it was perfectly appropriate. And yeah. I saw a major publication that I've been following for years. It's DC weaponizes old Superman theme to hype DC fandom. It's like, what is going on? Mark, as the, the resident mm-hmm. Superman super fan, what do you think about that? That's true. When, when it comes to DC, I don't just get hyped. I stay hyped. Oh, thanks, and- Mojo. Yeah, and I'm really excited about fandom in general. But before getting deeper into it, the Superman theme, theme. yes, the old theme. Why not? It is iconic, as you said, and part of the the beauty of DC Comics and the multiverse and all the stuff. We we hashed this on the last episode, but you can have all of it. You can Mm -hmm. have it all. It's great. You really can have it all. And the the theme is fantastic. I have it on at least three different Christmas ornaments uh, here in the True X house. So <laughs> wow. I, I don't get enough of it. Uh, weaponizing it sounds a little uh, clickbaity and charged for sure. A little clickbait? I, mean, <laughs> I think I yeah. sent it to John. I was like, now this is clickbait. I, I, put it I mean, it worked. John. I clicked on it because I was so yeah. I was so appalled at the just the yellow journalism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 an obscene it's, way it's of hard phrasing. To say what it. that what that even means? Because certainly there's going to be some information about Superman in the fandom, given that he's a marquee character. So, like, what I, what are what are they supposed to do? I mean, yeah. Also, why can't that be sort of like DC's anthem? You know, for these for these properties that they're going yeah. to adapt, because you know it's not like they're going another. to build upon those movies, and that music is so powerful. Use yeah. it. It's yeah. either that or it's Batman the Animated Series. Any or, other sound or clip, the I the Danny Elfman catch it. I, I think. Well, I think Danny Elfman from the 1989 Batman that theme, but I, I still think the Superman one one gets you more hyped because right. it is just that powerful sort of crescendo within it, and it just it's Superman. You know, I, I think the only thing that, you know, the old the old Spider-Man animated theme from way back in the, you know, Spider-Man, but Sp- maybe, but it's not Superman. It just isn't. So I, I didn't see the uh, the anger, the ire. Uh, but this this event, though, has me super excited. And just the way they announced it, how they've rolled it out, the just the Expendables-esque trailer list of names and people that are going to be a part of this. Uh, I think they've already put sort of Comic-Con at home to shame with how they've gone about marketing this thing. What say you, John? Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I do know some of the people behind the scenes at Warner Brothers who mm. work on stuff like this, and they are very good at what they do. Uh, so mm. I imagine that it's going to be a good show. Definitely far better than, uh, you know, kind of what Comic-Con at, ho- at home had to show. Mark, what what uh, what, what's your feeling? I know you stay hyped, but I mean, this must have taken you up to 11. Dude, I can't wait. Well, I know we've been talking about it quite a while here, uh, at least amongst us as friends, that DC at home was a thing. And originally I thought it was even going to be kicking off Comic-Con as some sort of thing. And, you know, in the in the past, you know, Disney has, has had their own D23 and a lot of companies have kind of done this. And given the the wake left behind with Comic-Con cancellation this year and DC always having just a prime spot and really rolling out the red carpets at Comic-Con every year, it makes sense. And I am 
so hyped that they're delivering on it. I mean, Dude. not only are they really digging into a bunch of the TV series from the universes uh, on their own app, but they're also going into the Arrowverse. They're going into the movies and of course they're going into comics uh, and then just getting like a bunch of uh, just great other people doing like announcing and, and other personalities into the fold to make it bigger beyond the usual DC reach. So it feels like a con. Uh, it, it and just happens circumstances but not honestly hopefully it opens the door for something like this more regularly too there's enough material in the dc world that they could have their own traveling conventions all around yeah the it, i think I'd d23 go. made comic-con not nervous because comic-con is still such a powerful entity but they d23 i think definitely shook up the status quo a little bit when they decided to hold back certain announcements that usually would appear at comic-con yeah. for d23 Dude. and you know d23 was you know every other year you could easily do now with the, the state of things in studios with you know they could do it every year. DC could do it every year. Definitely. With, with stuff like this, now if I'm Comic-Con, maybe, you know, people will still go because it, it just might change Assume. the experience. But it might, it might change the experience a little bit and maybe for the better too. Yeah, probably. I mean, even in title, Comic-Con is supposed to be about comics and the comic world. But like the DC offering is, as we covered earlier, like it's multimedia. We didn't even touch on the video games. They have some of the best you know yeah video games of all time in their in their the lineup. arkham and, series is incredible yeah, yeah. and they and have I, a new suicide squad that they're yep. gonna be talking about I, I love the injustice series and we and even prior to that dc versus mortal Kombat, we had a lot of fun with james oh yeah. we did i uh, dominated dude, hall of famer amazing amazing games and and honestly it it reminds me of like ea play what ea play has done with uh with e3 like e3 was this is this massive annual video game convention where a lot you expect a lot of big announcements to be made and ea giant video game publisher is like you know what we don't have enough center stage here and Mm -hmm. we're competing for attention with activision with xbox and playstation who are making big announcements here let's just do our own convention in the same city a week prior because all these people are just going to fly out a couple days early to come to our yeah. thing and we have enough titles to support it, you know? And, and yeah. I think, I think that's what I, D, they're smart to do it. DC needs to do this. And again, I hope it becomes an annual thing because they have enough to support it for sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And just again, the marketing of DC fandom compared to Comic-Con at home to me is, is night and day. This feels like a big fucking deal. Like just right out of the gate, everything that came out, they're showing, you know, new snippets from Wonder Woman 1984. You know, again, the list of confirmed names, they're going to be there. Ryan Reynolds got on, you know, in on the act and sort of made a, a mock uh, Green Lantern cut. The of Reynolds his, cut. Yeah, the Reynolds cut that's like 30 seconds long. <laughs> it's, it's like well, all know, the good you know footage from a, the movie. A bummer about how Comic-Con did it was it, it felt like uh, we can't have our con, so I guess we'll just throw it again what we can to do online stuff and on the other hand this dc fandom thing feels deliberate it feels planned it's like we don't have to do this we're going to do it because we have so many good ideas that we can put into it yeah no 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 doubt about it and you know also trending out of this was Zack snyder's justice league and so this title has been gaining traction on on social media in terms of what they should call this thing Zack snyder is going to be part of dc fandom but fans are pushing 
for it to be called Zack Snyder's Justice League as opposed to the Snyder Cut. Do it, dude. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's coming. It's 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 already. Here's the thing. It doesn't need. It doesn't need to happen. I'm fine with. I'm I'm Richard Donner got a cut. Give Zack Snyder a cut. Oh my god. That's that's a fair point. Uh, Again, it's happening. So. It is what it is. What, I, I enjoyed the, the like theatrical to re- cut to, to reinvent history. I mean, dude, the theatrical cut was a full collaboration from creatives and studio alike. And that's what was presented to the world as the story. That is Justice League. Now to go back and be like, let's just let the creatives well, like run. Well, I think it's I think it's I think it's I think it's the idea that personal tragedy sort of uh sideswiped Zack Snyder and he was not able to give his full, you know, finished vision of what essentially was his movie was going to be. Now I I happen to think that in a in an awful situation, they came out with a really good movie that I thoroughly Agreed. enjoyed. But, you know, the fans are sort of clamoring for this and I think it's it's cool in a certain aspect that DC is listening to it. I, I, it could, you could say that it's, it's setting a bad precedent that now whenever they, you know, they complain or whatever that, but. Oh, like Star Wars? Yeah. Well, so that's, so I, you know where I am on that side of the fence that I, I wish, I, I certainly wish the mouse would listen to my many, many petitions, (laughs) but, but they don't. You, you, you got your special editions. What more do you want? Oh, Johnny, 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 Johnny. That's what this is. That's exactly what I don't want the special editions, John. That's what you're going to get with Zack Snyder's cut. Well, the thing with the mm. the Snyder cut is it doesn't dissolve what happened in Justice League. It just adds. It adds. It adds. It, yeah. It's a different version of it. Again, if we're talking about different universes and what but ifs and else worlds and things that's like that, annoying to me. The whole that's thing with me. this in this partnership with HBO Max is this could actually evolve into a Snyder verse. That <laughs> goes on HBO Max, and they can do things that are just contained off of what's happening this. in here. I hate then this. you have your movies, then you have the DC universe, and and you have the TV shows, and the comic books, and the video games, and it's all great. It's Dude, all great. I, I hate it because it undermines the whole like filmmaking like production process. Like the, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but it, it for those is, of like, you just listening, Mark made an elitist nose gesture at John. <laughs> Dude, I I feel for you. Like I I I've been on the Zack Snyder side. Definitely not working on things at the size and scale of Justice League, but I've gotten notes from networks on projects I've worked on. It sucks, but that's the process. Like it is collaborative, and sometimes in the long run, you can look back and be like, I had an emotional reaction. I wasn't happy with those notes, but they were right. Or I'm glad that they made me work within the confines of this box because it made me get more creative. If then you go back later on and you're like, let's add back in all the shit that we were asked to take out or that or that we took out for whatever reason, then you're you're undermining the entire creative process. And I think that it it I don't know, you, you just you're just discounting a lot of other people's point of view on what what the, the best thing tr- the to train do the train is coming and I and I and I hope it's good. That that is that is where we will we will leave the Zack Snyder discussion again. He's been he's been dominating the nerd world. This podcast at, at this point, I, mean, I just I just I just want it to be out already so we can move on from you know all, all the sort of the hand wringing about it and let let's let's see how it is. I hope it's good. I really do. But let's let's keep it with uh, Snyder and DC, not Zack Snyder, but Scott Snyder, who is one of my favorite 
comic book writers of all time. Mark, what, what is the update with one Scott Snyder? So big thing, Scott Snyder finally made this kind of announcement that after a really solid 10-year stretch with DC Comics, he is wanting to take a step back from their core titles. He doesn't want to be continuing to work on basically the heart and the thread of what's happening in the DCU anymore. And and it's understandable after putting 10 years into it and, of course, having a very successful uh, independent run as well with a lot of his own creator-owned titles, he wants to give other people a chance to play with these you know, classic characters and get to make an impact into the medium. So, so he's kind of made this announcement that, like, after metal, essentially, he wants to take a step. A little back. evil Not baby Batman. <laughs> after evil baby Batman, he's going to take a little step back uh, and and let some other people come in. And I think DC is primed with a lot of great writers on their roster right now. That it's not. A problem. I I honestly feel like Snyder had kind of taken a step back from from the heart thread of it recently. I know he did what I think a two year run on Justice League that just finished up not too long ago, and of course the metal events are really huge. But I really feel like uh, Tom King has really stepped it up and has started becoming that key guy. Jeff Johns is still there pumping out great stuff. I wish he'd stick to his deadlines. But uh, Jeff Johns <laughs> is doing a lot at DC, uh, including a lot of stuff in the movie side of things. So uh, the fact that Snyder's stepping away, I mean, it makes sense. And I'm excited to see what creator-owned things he continues to come out with. I hope we continue to get more American Vampire. I would love to see some more Witches, the Halloween uh, special issue that came out. I think it was last year or the year before was superb, but I need more. And if he ever wants to get around to doing Severed again... I ask him every time I see him at the con. Do you really? (laughs) I do. It's like, so when are we getting another severed? Scotty's like, yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) That's what he says? Yeah, because he had done it with like an old friend of his, and that friend is no longer in the mix. Like, like it's not a a thing that they're doing. No, not necessarily falling out, just just life taking courses. And he Mm. wouldn't do that project without Without him. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. So he's like, yeah, it's just not something I'm touching. And I'm like, but you should. I want it. <laughs> I want to see it. Well, you, you know, as we as we move on from Scott Snyder, he really is one of the nice guys in the industry too, and yeah. he's he's very accomplished. He's done a lot of great work in, in the comic book industry, and I have no doubt uh, that that will continue no matter what project he's on. He's he's incredibly creative. He's a very very good writer, and uh, he does horror so well. I'm 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 very excited to see what he does next. All right, we're gonna switch he to the did Marvel a swamp thing. Sorry to cut you off, James, but I know John was looking for some good swamp you know, things. No, no, take your shot, Mark. This is the last thing. time we'll ever talk DC on show. this podcast now. Just read Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing Run. Done. <laughs> That's all you need. It's three trades. Three trades are good. All right. I'm, we're going to switch gears now to the Marvel side of things. Marvel's Avengers. It's a new third-person action-adventure game. The beta is, you know, been made available. People are playing it. People are reacting to it. John, you're shaking your head. Why? I just don't understand why games like this put out betas. Like, there's, there's really no reason for it. It's not like a competitive game. It's not like a massively multiplayer game where they need to, like, stress test systems. It's just like your run-of-the-mill, like, action adventure game it, it feels like an update to some of the games that we talked about in the the x-men episode you know it feels like 
this generation, the new generation's Marvel Ultimate Alliance type game. From what I've seen, the gameplay looks amazing. The uniqueness of how each character plays seems really mm-hmm. cool. Like, you know, Thor plays very much so like Kratos from God of War, whereas Captain America, you definitely get that sort of Arkham Asylum, Batman type play style from him. And that's that's cool to me. And Iron Man gives you a whole different play style. Same with Black Widow. Yeah, and others. I'm excited cool for this. Too. The leveling yeah. mechanics. And and I think it's really like an evolution of the Spider-Man game, which was very well received and people had a lot of fun with. I, th- I think it'll be it'll be fine. One it's, one it's one just not my kind of game, you know? Why? There's no headshots. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I need I need crosshairs. I need guns. I need headshots. There is some multiplayer elements, though, to it. You know where you where you can sort of you know group up and every and everything like that and and do some cool stuff in game. I'm very excited for this. I I think you know it's. I'm not uh, saying it's not going to be a fun like enjoyable game, dude. I just don't I just don't see why there's a beta for it and why that's you know why that's I, uh, there. I think it's just a marketing thing, really. Like they're just is it smart marketing taste. though? Um. Yeah. I think the game would do would do good no matter what though. Like it's it it it, it it's a genre of game that people are always hungry for for more of. It's going to be done at a good at a high quality, uh, and it's Marvel, so you know you you yeah. get to play all your favorite heroes. I mean, sheep got to follow, so oh you know, my god, it's going to do fine. You know, Mark, I, <laughs> you just went, you give a guy an inch, he takes a mile. You know what? One thing that's sort of causing a stir is the fact that uh, Spider Man is a exclusive to the PlayStation version. People are all in a, in a tizzy about that, which I, I think is kind of hilarious. Uh, I don't need Spider-Man. Even if I were to get it for the Xbox or whatever, I don't need Spider-Man in my Avengers. Cause mm. you know, there's plenty of other Avengers that are more important to the mythos right. than, than Spider-Man in terms of, in the context of being in the group and that yeah. guy, Captain America. <laughs> also well, I, like who, who cares if you don't have Spider-Man? If you wanted to play Spider-Man, get a PlayStation, get the Spider-Man game. That game was awesome. Yeah. I, I have one quibble with the end of that game. I, I worked very hard to unlock certain suits in that game and get all the ones I really liked, like the old school animated version or the cell shaded comic book version. And then the last boss fight, they make you wear this butt ass, ugly, other suit is just just awful just atrocious they oh make you God. do it terrible you sound well, like I th- tim and wow <laughs> i think there's a fun history of like having an exclusive character on a different system like that i think it's interesting that they pulled it from within lore if you would like it's a marvel game you should have all the marvel characters but back when soul caliber 4 came out and you had darth vader exclusive to playstation and yoda exclusive to 360 that was awesome to have that and just that extra little like nod and throw out for fans to get to play something unique for their system Uh, yeah i I thought that was a really cool ploy back then um it is kind of weird that it's within universe though well what people but there is that already the exclusivity of spider-man with the deal between marvel and sony anyway like there's an existing partnership there so they have to sort of you know not sort of they have to adhere to that so uh i i just i this is why i think it's fine like if you want to play spider-man why are you buying this game to play Spider-Man? Like buy the Spider-Man game that just came out. That was amazing. You know, well, or maybe this is what sort of will tip somebody if they're, if they're on the fence about which system and the new generation yeah. to get well, like, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll just get yeah. this one. Has is there going to be a character exclusive to no Xbox? Then? N- not that, not that no. I've seen, no. but in fact, I'm actually buying the Xbox version cause I hate Spider-Man. So I'm <laughs> pleased that he's not in it. Wow. 
<laughs> I don't believe that for an instant, John. No, throwing like a <laughs> scarlet spider or something. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think they could. They they could do that. But uh, I want. I want to move on to something that's in in John's wheelhouse here. Our final item on the nerd news, and that is Doctor Disrespect has made his return to streaming on YouTube. John, mm-hmm. f- fill us in on Doctor Disrespect and, and everything that has has gone down there. And uh, yeah. you know, why are you hyped for this? <laughs> uh, I, it's just a big game changer in the world of like streaming, like game gaming streamers. In fact, this year has had a lot of tumultuous things happen with the with Mixer combining with Facebook Gaming, uh, and then in the last year, like Shroud and and Ninja both moving to Mixer for big contracts. But but this one especially is really big because Doctor Disrespect was you know one of the last biggest streamers on Twitch. And for those not familiar with Doctor Disrespect, he essentially plays like a character. Like all these, all these other streamers on Twitch are themselves. Like they're mm-hmm. in their rooms. You can see their unmade beds behind them. Doctor Disrespect is playing a caricature of like an '80s, like <laughs> like action uh, television show star. Uh, yeah, he has like he has like a mullet wig on. If you've never seen a photo of him, you should like Google Doctor Disrespect. It's hilarious. He wears like reflective sunglasses. He has like a mullet wig. He wears like a red bulletproof vest. He has these like animated sequences in his stream. His stream is very sophisticated. Uh, it's like very low budget, but also like very sophisticated in what he does. He has like transition scenes that where he's like sitting in a Lamborghini driving around. Or, like, <laughs> he'll he'll have one where he'll be like playing a game and he'll have like a motorcycle appear in front of him and he'll be pretending to like pursue people on the motorcycle. Um, it's like Nick highly, Arcade. Yeah, highly, highly entertaining uh, streamer, one of a kind by far. There's no one else doing what he does. He's changed the entire streaming game in his creativity and he was uh, unequivocally banned from Twitch a little over a month ago. Um, and we don't reason, know why for reasons unknown. Right. So, uh, he was, he was streaming one day towards the end of his stream. He appeared to get like a mysterious email or text. He kind of went a little dark, like he, he you know, got a little quiet and then, you know, the stream ended and then that was it. He was banned. He never addressed it publicly in terms of saying why he was banned. In fact, he came out and said that he doesn't he didn't have they hadn't told him Twitch never addressed it. And again, this is one of their biggest streamers. They yeah. they, they had a contract with him, an exclusive contract that where they owe him a lot of money uh, and they banned him for for reasons unknown. And there's been a lot of speculation because it happened during a time period where there were a lot of allegations about other streamers, um, but we didn't know. And then today. Well, actually, starting yesterday. Well, I, I want to cut you off real quick okay, before yeah. you continue on, because wh- where it popped off in Discord, again, bestdamnerdshow.com slash Discord, is that <laughs> uh, Tim Childs, lore master Tim Childs, just put in Discord, oh, man, they got the dock. <laughs> like, it was like it was like this huge yeah. deal like going on. Yeah. It like caused this massive stir, and yeah. it, it just it was a huge deal. And, it you know, I know you and, you and I were talking about in terms of some of the speculation that he would be joining like a rival streaming service and stuff like that. Can you, I, I yeah. I'd rather steer into that theory as opposed mm-hmm. to the other ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, so, fine. but yeah. continue. And, and, and again, like we don't need to get specific about allegations cause they're not true, but like it, just the timing or, made it, yeah, made it not, where people were making bad assumptions about for it. For sure. But, but you know, on the other side, it also happened at a time where, um, where people are, are, wondering if shroud and ninja are going to be starting their own streaming platform now that they're out of their mixer contracts Mm. because they were both they both got paid a lot of money to move over to microsoft's twitch competitor 
And then Microsoft gave that to Facebook and closed, closed the operations. So they're free of their contracts. So people were like, oh my God, is Doc going to join these two? And they're going to create some super platform that's going to take <laughs> over Twitch. Um, turns out uh, that that's not happening. Uh, so starting yesterday, Doc, and this is going to date the, our recording a little bit, but yeah. uh, Dr. Disrespect put up a, he loaded up his stream on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel with 2 million subscribers previously it had was just that's posting. it <laughs> previously it had just had like stream highlights from his twitch channel yeah. he fires up the stream and just puts on like a waiting screen it doesn't even have like a countdown or anything it's just like his lamborghini his like <laughs> cgi lamborghini at like a cgi gas station do, do we have a cgi lamborghini on our youtube dude, stream <laughs> we need to we need to create one by the way uh, you can subscribe to us on youtube if you're listening on another platform or watching on youtube and have not yet subscribed yeah, yeah. so click I'll, I'm trying to get through this as quick as I can. I'm sorry for the for the long winded story, but he fires up his stream on a waiting screen and gets 300,000 concurrent viewers. So 300,000 people watching simultaneously. It's almost as much as us. And even like in the middle of the night had tens of thousands of people just sitting there waiting to see what was going to happen. And then today a, t- a countdown timer appears and he finally goes live and he addresses these allegations uh, or he addresses the ban and essentially says like they still haven't told me why. Mm. And he's like, this has been a cockroach strategy from, from, from them. And I don't understand it, but here we are. Like we're back. It feels good to be back. We're on YouTube now. And he's like, I'll let the lawyers sort it out with the contracts. And then he just like went about his streaming and he's he been sounds down. like a professional. That's pretty good. I mean, he probably, I, I don't know what happened, but he stands to make a good amount of money from his contract. I imagine yeah. But for being like an '80s cheese character that I know nothing about, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of actually wonderful to hear that he's not some like petty guy in the public. No, so no, 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 dude, he he's so. Uh, I urge everyone to just go watch like a best of Doctor Disrespect compilation if you haven't, if you're not familiar with him at all, because if you want to know anything about Twitch and streaming, and you're not like a big Twitch watcher. He will tell you everything you need to know. Just the level of creativity and the level of like fun he brings to streaming games. You'll understand why it's so fun to watch people play video games. Love it. Love it. All right. We're going to leave the nerd news right there. On the other side, we are going to be talking Transformers, all the nostalgia and everything that comes with that as we lead in to the new Netflix series, Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy Siege. All that and more on the other side on the Best Damn Nerd Show. Nerdosphere, it's the microphone alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, and we want you to be in on the conversation with us. So sound off to us in our Discord, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at the BDNS. And you know, maybe you actually like the Star Wars prequels and sequels. Maybe you think the MCU should be a comedy open mic night on the big screen. Whatever you think, we love to feature the hottest takes from our fans on the show. So remember, if you're a nerd, always say it loud and say it proud. What up, nerds? Loremaster Tim here. We're excited to be delivering your weekly fix of nerd culture, but it's not enough. We need your life force to sustain us. So use those hot little hands to subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or however you take your medicine. One of our favorite pastimes on the BDNS is reading fan mail on air. So sing us a song of hatred or love, and you may just hear your beautiful words being featured on an episode. 
That's why it's important, nay, essential to rate and review us. Until then, as always, nerds, say it loud, say it proud. And welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show. And we are finally going to get into our main topic tonight, and that is Transformers. More than meets the eye, Transformers, Robots in Disguise. Uh, a, a fandom, a universe that is certainly near and dear to, to my heart. Uh, it was a big part of my childhood growing up, and, you know, it endures to this day. You know, any time that, and we'll get into the Transformers, the animated movie, but any time that, you know, my, my schlub ass goes for a run, the Transformers, the animated movie soundtrack uh, is a big part of what we'll, we'll get uh, Tubby here to run a little bit harder uh, for at least a few minutes. But, you know, the, the Transformers are one of the most enduring fandoms around, and their popularity is worldwide. Uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, standalone conventions before we are going to talk about BotCon, which is something that's been going on for, for a while and a convention that I've yet to attend. But it's always been on my list uh, to, you know, make it down there. Work has always precluded me, uh, but definitely want to end up at a BotCon uh, before before, you know, I become one with the Matrix uh, in, <laughs> in my life. That is definitely on my list. But yeah, it, it's just Optimus Prime, one of the great fictional characters in the universe. It's certainly in in nerd he represents kind. everything you love in a main character in a in a protagonist. He he, re- I mean, he is there. There is something just uniquely. He is that sort of like paragon virtue that you want in, in a in a main character, and I, and I think so many people gravitate towards him for that, and you don't see him sort of suffer a lot of the same slings and arrows about being classified as boring or, or anything that other characters do. But Mark, what was your sort of introduction to the Transformers and, and how much of sort of your uh, backstory is it? So uh, the original series cartoon, I always got it in fleeting moments. I never got to see a ton of it, um, you know, growing up without cable or, or access to a lot of those features, but, but the toys, my God, the toys, just mm-hmm. trying not to break them while you transform <laughs> them. But but they were so cool because yeah. they were everything you wanted. They were robots and they were trucks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so that was definitely a big plug there. And then one of my favorite toys of theirs, I got the uh, when the Beast War series was first coming out. I got a two pack one year for Christmas. That was Megatron as the alligator and Optimus Primal as a bat. And I was sorely disappointed when the TV series came out and Optimus Primal <laughs> was a gorilla because I had the bat Optimus Primal and it and it made me really conflicted inside as a child. But Beast Wars, amazing. And that's yes. really one of my definitional pieces of Transformers uh, was getting to watch those Beast Wars. I would come home from school at three o'clock hour and get to watch that and the entire, you know, evolution of Dinobots character and, and the... Uh, the Predacons and, and the Maximals going at it. I really feel like that revolutionized the the fandom of Transformers that had been kind of, you know, lacking for the years prior. And it was really from that getting into it is when I think you and I, James, started watching the animated movie, uh, which was just phenomenal. And I carried that, uh, I mean, just to this day. Uh, love that movie. I still quote it weekly. <laughs> in, in, in I, I, yeah 
yeah it, it it's very defining of of myself just in uh cinematic um you know like favorites as well as like nerd culture uh staples it, it takes me back you bring it you bringing that stuff up and i and i'm honored that you know, I, that I could introduce you to that movie and that it became such a big part of our friendship and carries on with you now and stuff like that. And it definitely, I would show that movie to to anybody uh, who, who would watch it for certain. And I actually watched it recently in preparation for this episode and it holds up to me. And we'll talk about, you know, more about that in a moment. But John, what, what was, were you just like, sort of like, what was your sort of exposure level to the Transformers? Because I know yeah. in preparation for this episode, you're not the biggest bot guy. You're not the biggest Transformers yeah. guy, but you do, you will have your say at a certain point in this segment, yeah. I know. But sort of definitely. what was your exposure level? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely watched the, the cartoons, uh, but I think I connected way more with the toys. Like some of my friends down the street had, had the toys, uh, and you know, it, it was always the, as Mark said, like playing with them as much as you can without, you know, trying not to break them because yeah. for, for some reason there's always like the one arm or the one leg that like swivels in some weird way that if you like over crank it a little too much, like snaps, yeah, it's gone. And it's amazing that like any kids could ever transform them properly because of that. But, uh, yeah, just playing with playing with basically the toys at, at other friends houses was, was the big thing for me. And then, you know, of course uh, it's, it's taken on a different tone now because now I'm watching like rescue bots with my, with my son. And then during the break, I was just saying like, he loves cars and trucks. He's obsessed. And he would, he would just naturally be like a transformers toy kid. Yeah. So that, that's definitely, I'm going to figure out when the best time to introduce well, go, going back to the Transformers origins, you know, with with the toys and with the show sort of built around it to sell toys, it is, it is a brilliant sort of marketing scheme from that sense, because, yeah. you know, most little kids, I think they knew by then, loved playing with cars and, yeah. you know, <laughs> cars that could transform to robots. It's a two for one deal. Mm -hmm. Who's not yeah. going yeah, to love that? Totally different playtimes, really. But yeah. I think that's why that's honestly why Transformers has been so enduring, because even in lulls in the media side of the business, like you still have these awesome toys that are just universally fun to play with. And so yeah. like you, the toys will always be great and they could always release a new generation of toys and, and get, you know, young people excited about that. And then the media properties have been really good, too. So a, a big part of my my youth uh, revolved around youth my youth uh, revolved around G.I. Joe and the Transformers, specifically the toys. And, you know, by the time, look, I was born in 1985. So I, I caught a lot of G1 via like the USA uh, Cartoon Express or, or whatever mm -hmm. it was called. Like that was, that's a lot of times where I watched G.I. Joe and Transformers and I, I ate it up. And again, gravitating towards that very, uh, you know, friendly, authority figure and Optimus Prime, the, the, the paragon of paragons type hero, the, the real archetype of what a leader should be and everything like that was, I felt like was, he was always so disconnected though. He's, I, he's, I never he's felt so, that like, way. He above the fray. He, to me, like to God, this is going to be, be people, I, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll, yeah, he, he is, he is, his moral compass is always on point. 
And he really is like, to me, like, you know, and looking at it, he's this like sort of George Washington nerd figure, you know, in his, in his sort of uh, how his scope and his impact on everything. That's Optimus Prime to me. So I obviously gravitated uh, towards like, God, this guy is just like, he's such like a powerful figure. Um, loved my G1 Optimus Prime and was probably, you know, the easiest one to transform too. Like for those of you listening or watching, you'll know that his was, you know, the most simple of transformations. Thank the God. Just fold Yeah, down. just the legs just <laughs> fold down and then you then you got Optimus that's ready to play and everything like that and and I think that was uh that was a smart move by them because he is your title character, he's your main character. So have him, you know, easy to roll with and and everything like that. But in terms of by the time that I was like coming into my own, the Transformers like G1 toy line and all that stuff were already at that point sort of like things that you had to hunt for. You know, there was, I remember toy shops uh, that we would go to and look for old Transformers figures and a friend of my older brother's that had like a trove of Transformers. And I think, I think that's where I got my first G1 uh, Perceptor or whatever it was. And it was such like, a, it was it was so cool of him because he gave it to me and you know, where I was, I was very aware. I was like, dude, these things aren't cheap at this point, you know, and trying to find them on the secondary toy market and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was just very cool. Um, and yet the, the toys have really helped sort of the, the property indoor and everything like that. But, uh, the, the characters that they gave you were, were very good. Optimus prime and Megatron, their you know battles throughout Cybertron and Earth and, and the like have just been you just they've told some really uh, incredible stories with that and I want to um, you know touch on you know the fact that like I think G one Transformers cartoon uh, maybe maybe stands out as you know just the the best of that era of cartoons along with you know some select others. And I think the Transformers fandom at large, given the fact that, you know, you mentioned rescue bots and they're, they remain as impactful, you know, maybe not as impactful, but certainly still impactful to little kids as they grow up that we still have, you know, the robots in disguise kind of deal going on is, is, is pretty cool. But I do want to circle back to the Transformers, the animated movie. Uh, Mark, you, you referenced it. Um, how great was that movie, man? Bawi grana we ninny bong, man. That's right. Yeah, universal awesome. greeting. <laughs> <laughs> the univ- well, what a cast. It was I mean, Judd Nelson, Leonard Nimoy, Orson Welles, Robert Stack. I mean, god, you had you had an all-star cast in this animated movie. Yeah. It was- uh that movie was so amazing that in college I I traveled with me a movie poster of it with with, with yeah. hot rod like like down the middle uh, like get, almost tr- get, star wars-esque yeah uh and, and that traveled with me through all of my college years like in my dorm room <laughs> and into like my first home um I, I i just loved it uh just the fact that they took you know what could be seen as, as a child's cartoon right 80s cartoons and action adventures and things like that and they raised the stakes. So yes. spoilers. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a you know thirty year old movie just yep. out here. More um, is <laughs> that they killed everyone. They yep. killed. Everybody. It was a slaughter. Like it was just a slaughter. And like watching that, it's just like Optimus Prime. I like 
Transformers, and you see him get blown away. The whole Megatron scene of fall, fall, like shooting him down. And the way he turns gray when he loses the Matrix, like all of that had so much heart and depth to the character and just making you really feel that there's this war between the Decepticons and the Autobots that has stakes. It's a real yeah. war. It's it's not just the war on drugs and shooting lasers and playing football like in G.I. Joe. There's actual, you know, decimation happening that, that's going on with the Transformers. And then to be what what I never even realized since the, the movie was such a big piece for me in the canon is that like that's really the introduction that you get, I believe, for Hot Rod, Cup, RC, uh, Ultra Magnus, mm-hmm. uh, Blur. Uh, all these guys that I feel are just fucking wheelie characters. <laughs> uh, but I just feel like these guys are, are seminal characters. And uh, I mean, the big bad Unicron. Yeah. Uh, which is voiced yeah, by Orson Welles. Yeah. Orson Welles of all people and a planet sized transformers. The, the great things about transformers is how they just kept getting bigger and bigger and having, you know, the collaborative transformers like the, the uh, Destructicons. Uh, that, that the Constructicons, yeah, that formed Devastator, yes. That, that made Devastator, yeah. Uh, these guys. And then Unicron is, is a planet. Yeah. A planet robot. Just this huge thing. He's, uh, he's the Transformers Galactus, essentially. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up just the, the wanton sort of slaughter and, and just death that abounds in the Transformers the movie. It's just called Transformers the movie. I keep referring to it as the animated movie. It's Transformers the movie. Suck it, Michael Bay. Uh, but the... I know they were trying to sell a new toy line, and they were introducing new characters and stuff like that, but the fact that in the early going of this movie, Megatron and Starscream and the like board this Autobot shuttle and brutally murder some of my favorite characters, <laughs> you know, like, it is, it is a, a, a sort of experience that is unmatched in, in sort of my childhood fandom watching because Ratchet, the cool ambulance Autobot, Dead. Prowl, the cool police car Autobot, dead. Ironhide, one of my all-time favorite characters. Not only does he kill him, but he tries to stop Megatron pathetically by just wrapping his arms around his legs and gets his head blasted off <laughs> it, it, with a great line from Megatron, which is such heroic nonsense. Is. Yeah, it was just this... It was this unique demonstration of, as Mark said, stakes in this world. And even on the other side of that, look, the the Transformers, the movie is one of my favorite movies, period. In the original run, when we were doing movie night on the best damn nerd show, it got my first perfect score of any movie that we reviewed. (laughs) I, I loved this movie and I've watched it so many times. And one of my favorite moments in any film ever is when you we first see Optimus Prime take to the battlefield and he just says Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. And he, it's the classic Transformers sound effect. Stan Bush, who is a titan of music for this movie alone, the touch starts playing. And you see Optimus Prime, he's not brutally slaughtering like Megatron was, but in this scene, it's Optimus Prime at his absolute peak. He he runs roughshod over all these Decepticons when all hope seems lost. And it's such a great shining hero moment for him. He gets the duel with Megatron, wins only to be undone by, you know, Megatron's shady tactics and a misstep <laughs> from Hot Rod, which leads to Optimus getting mortally wounded, 
and, but still having the last laugh on Megatron in a way. I love the the moment where he does the double uppercut and says never, you know, after mm-hmm. Megatron says it's over. It's just that indomitable spirit, even to the end with Optimus Prime. Um, you know, and Mark talked about it, uh, that they kill, they kill him. And he turns gray. This caused a major stir among parents and children at this time. And again, I, mean, I had it's to. It's shocking. Like, you could not get away with having that happen in a children's Dude, movie. No. It's either this or grandma. Where do you want to start? It's just the the idea. Like, parents were incensed that their children saw they, this well, was. They have to explain it to them. Yeah. And in my experience, in terms of being such a follower of Optimus Prime, such a, it's, I'm not unique in that sense. And I was experiencing this a little later on than the, you know, the masses did because of my age. Uh, but I, I remember just being devastated by the fact they killed Optimus Prime. And it was also this weird thing that you sort of learn this lesson. It's like I blamed Hot Rod for a long time and watching that movie. I had like angst toward this new shiny character they're trying to introduce me to. It's like, dude, you got my guy killed. Like, I'm not into that. I think I think maybe if anything else, this was the genesis of my my sort of critical eye <laughs> in terms of how properties dealt with things, because I was upset. I, would, and I remember Mark, you know, talking to Beast Wars. Uh, he would use a sort of Cheetor in the hot rod role <laughs> various times while we were playing and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah it just um, it was that that movie, the soundtrack is all time. I encourage anyone to go back and listen to it. It's yeah. so 80s. The touch was fantastic. Dare to be stupid uh, is by Weird Al. Essential Weird Al. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, dare. Dare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instruments so of destruction. Uh, Hunger by Spectre General, which is one of my anthems to get motivated to this day. And just there's so many. You know, you allude to like characters like Ultra Magnus, who is now a fixture in Transformers lore. You know, so voiced cool. by Robert Stack of Unsolved Mysteries. So it's pretty, pretty cool stuff there. You had, and then you had the reintroduction of, of uh, you know, with Leonard Nimoy playing Galvatron, who is the reimagined Megatron type character. Um, but just other moments in that piece, you know, like you had Spike when they're trying to destroy Unicron and they go, oh, shit, it's not even Denny. <laughs> like they cuss in this movie, which I'm sure parents weren't uh, thrilled about at the time either. And I, I liked how they added in other societies, like like the junk bots, the whole dare to be stupid. Yes, the, the junkians. The, yeah. Yeah. And, and that whole thing that they learned the language through radio and TV. And that was adapted into what Bumblebee became in the Michael Bay films is like, mm. like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, they got radio antennae and, and they're learning language through the power of radio waves. Uh, it's I, also I it's also that. a lot how we speak to each other in movie quotes and stuff like that. So they were they were ahead of their time in in that way as well. Uh, Springer is another character introduced in the in the movie, and he has one of my favorite lines when they're defending Autobot City, and I still use this. It's uh, you know they're they're pinned down and Devastators formed up, and Springer just goes, "I've got better things to do tonight than die," and he fires a missile off at Devastator. I just ah. Uh, so many, so many epic moments uh, in that film, and we'll, we'll move on. I could talk, I could talk about this movie all night long, but the film's great. I, I, uh, yeah, and I, th- I think it speaks to just what a cultural moment that was for Transformers to have the cast that they had, and and you know to have the success that it had. Like I'm, I'm reading here, it was the final role for Orson Welles and for yes. Scatman Crothers before they passed. Yeah, but 
but even just to have those two in the in the film and they weren't even like the marquee like voice actors it's amazing it you know saturday morning cartoons those type cartoons were definitely having a moment and the argument can be made is that transformers was having that moment more than anyone else. I can say the argument, you know, GI Joe is mm-hmm. up there. Master of the universe, certainly up there, but transformers, like you said, the cast that they attracted and not look Casey Kasem, uh, voices cliff jumper in it. You know, I it's mean, just, I, I would argue it's crazy. That, yeah, I would argue that they were having the biggest moment because it set off a whole chain of events that leads us to where we are today with tons and tons of transformers, media and toys. Like, yeah, the same can't really be said of the other, you know, the other shows on the list. And, you know, even my, my angst with hot rod, especially in more recent years, the, the moment when Optimus prime, you hear his voice say arise Rodimus prime. And he leads the Autobots out of there to safety and to victory and everything. Oh, it's the, the heart that is swelling within this chest right now. It's, it's just, it's incredible. So I, I will pick one thing apart on that though. The question I've always had mm-hmm. is how come it couldn't just be Hot Rod taking in the Matrix and growing into his person? Why did he have to transform into a convoy type bot? I, I think I think that is just showing sort of his maturity and that he's not he is not just a hot rod anymore. He is a leader. You know, that was sort of the knock on him. It was always, you know. Uh, shoot first, ask questions later, ready, fire, aim, as they say. But this, in this moment, he he matured, just like Optimus Prime had matured from Orion Pax into Optimus Prime. It was it was his moment, and he became this new new leader that was ready. And and I think that's sort of what it was uh, denoting there. And I, and I think it's a pretty powerful moment too. Just like when, again, with Leonard Nimoy's voice acting, literally choking the life out of hot rod saying first prime, then ultra Magnus. And now you, it's a pity you Autobots die so easily. Otherwise I might have a sense of satisfaction now. And then boom, the touch hits and it is on and it is so good. It is so good. But just even that dialogue in a kid's cartoon is insane. I don't think you could get away with that today. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. It's so good. But Another so, great death I want to throw out there, uh, Starscream. <laughs> oh, Starscream yeah. where he gets like the crown and, he, and he's like finally getting anointed and getting all the power and, and majesty that he's always wanted as a character and just to be shot through and turned to ash. And you just see him crumbling and falling oh, apart into nothing. I'm so glad you brought striking. that up. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, it is striking because they, yeah, they turn him to ash Right before I, Starscream, one of the most marquee villains uh, in in animated history, and also just in terms of quotability, with Galvatron landing saying "Coronation Starscream," this is bad comedy. Is definitely this is bad comedy is is a line that I've used many times over the years. Most people don't know what where I'm getting it from, but that's it's from Transformers the movie. And yeah, I'm glad you brought up that death. Let's talk about Beast Wars, though, because one, one of the themes of the Transformers is their ability to adapt and reinvent themselves and transform themselves for the next generation uh, to enjoy. Beast Wars was maybe not maybe I think more different than anything else they had tried uh, with Transformers. And I think besides the G1 stuff, it's it's the best thing that they've done. With, with Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was skeptical about Beast Wars because, you know, I've grown up loving them as cars and, and, and jets and stuff like that. They're going to be animals now. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Beast Wars was another one that 
underrated in terms of it not insulting the intelligence of its audience. What did you think about Beast Wars, Mark? I I mean, I already said that was like really the big thing that got me in aside from playing with the toys and how just cool it is transforming things. But the way they built their characters and, and they were pretty tight knit groups. I think it started off as like a, a five on five something like that between the Maximals and Predacons, but just the use of the animals and their capers, the way they transform, but the actual story building they put between building these agencies and, and how they were battling each other on this prehistoric earth and the uh, evolutionary character of Dinobot and his ultimate, you know, sacrifice at the end of it was just storytelling in a child's cartoon, uh, very much akin to what happened in the animated movie. Uh, it's just not something you found in like Bobby's world or, <laughs> or whatever else I was watching. Hey, at the don't, time. don't, don't criticize Bobby's world. They were, they were great. Classic. Shows. Great shows. Yes. You know, but, but the severity of what was happening in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. was just a totally another <laughs> level. Um, I, I was telling, I, I was telling, I was telling John during the break as we were talking about beast wars is that Dinobot outside of Optimus prime and Megatron, maybe Starscream, maybe the greatest transformers character ever. And the story that they told within Beast Wars, especially go back, watch Code of Hero uh, and or Code Hero. I forget the exact title of it, Um, but it's it's Dinobot's absolute opus in that show where he finally definitively picks a side to join with the Maximals and sacrifices his life. He gets killed. And like he in throughout the whole episode, if you haven't seen it, he's overriding the fact that his, his, you know, hardware is telling him that, Hey, you need to shut down your, you're low on energon and you're depleting your spark kind of deal. And there's just so many great moments within that episode. And one that stands out where one, one of the Predacons is like, what's a warrior without weapons. And he just goes, a warrior still, and, and uh, attacks him, takes him down, uh, uses a stick to take on Megatron and, and foil his plans. And w- when he is, he's literally dying. He has like sign off lines and he quotes Shakespeare and he says, you know, tell my trail, tell it truly uh, the, you know, the evil and the good. And he says, the rest is silence. And when, uh, you know, Optimus Primal says, you know, may a spark join with the matrix, the, the greatest of Cybertron. Oh, powerful powerful stuff that, that is some that is some of the best television you'll see it's so good Ugh. i think the, the one of the keys to these shows is like just how beaten down the the characters get to like make it through their story arc and i think james that's definitely what i think what you are attracted to with dinobot and definitely with optimus prime like just the amount of abuse that optimus is willing to take for the other autobots constantly I think it's just, it is, they are really good morality plays. And I I do appreciate that underdog nature, certainly. And uh, who doesn't like, and with Dinobot, it's just such a great redemption story, you know? And and who doesn't love that? That's, you know, one of my favorite things. I think, uh, you know, my favorite character in Lord of the Rings is, is King Theoden. And while not the same sort of redemption story, he definitely redeems himself uh, throughout the course of those books. And it's, it's very powerful in its telling. And, uh, Beast Wars is just great, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that because there there's some stuff coming with that, and I was I was not not expecting that uh, here in 2020, but I'm very excited about. It. But Mark, before we move on from Beast Wars, some of your favorite characters or toys that you had from that, and I, and I do have to say, 
watching it after school with you or some of like just etched into my brain, some of the best transformers action that I got in my, in my youth. Yeah. And I remember it's like, like having to hoof it home fast. Cause it came yeah. on at like three. Yeah. So I had 20 minutes to, to like two forty and run. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I got to transform and roll like, out, bro. What's going to happen here. And waspinator is going to be up to some hijinks and I'm yeah. going to miss out. Um, but uh, just the different characters like Rat Trap was one of my favorite. I loved how mouthy he was and, mm-hmm. and a bit of a comedic relief in that sense. I, I like Cheetor being headstrong and young, kind of, as you said, uh, similar to like Hot Rod, what he did. Rhinox being like the firm, steady right hand of Optimus Primal. Uh, just the, the core group between them was fantastic. And then having this rogue agent Dinobot into the mix. Uh, was fun and then on the predacon side like tarantula being the mad scientist kind of guy very much filling the role of like what shockwave was mm-hmm. for megatron other megatron um which i think was interesting that like megatron was really the only character to fully transition into the predacons yeah uh, and I, d- I don't recall if there was what, what they did in the story with that or if it was truly just megatron because mm-hmm. i know at a certain point when you finally discover that it is you know a prehistoric earth and you have Optimus Prime and everyone up on the arc frozen in stasis and that's integrated in that. It's, this is in continuity. It, yeah. It's involved with the entire lore of what's going on. It's not just like, yeah, we're animals now. It's it's it, it's fitted into a nice package. Which I never expected them to do that. So mm-hmm. that that to me, like you predate the MCU by however many years and you were getting hashtag it's all connected in Beast Wars after mm-hmm. school and it, it's something that I never would have expected them to do, you know, from it just, it blew my mind because so not only do we, we got Unicron's floating head at, at various uh-huh. points in this year. So they connect it to Transformers, the movie. Yeah. Like you said, you had the Optimus and the Ark, you had all these things getting tied in that I think as kids, that that was just so mind blowing. It was so, it was something that we just weren't used to seeing um, that, you know, from there, uh, you know, the Transformers have had multiple moments and, you know, unequivocally <laughs> some highs uh, and some even higher. Well, <laughs> well, the, the Bay formers, the Transformers, according to Michael Bay, uh, John, I know that was sort of maybe a, a bigger part of your exposure to them. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, you it, know, it, it's not to say that I didn't watch all the Transformers you know, the original cartoons and movie. It's just, I was very young, you know, like yes. the tra- Transformers, the movie came out two years before I was born. So like it's, you and know, you didn't have me there to shove it down your throat, unfortunately. Yeah. I yeah, blame myself. Exactly. And, and so by the time I it was even <laughs> old enough to like really comprehend what was going on and that stuff, like it was already, I think it w- was even on like cartoon network at the time. Like it was like third run of all of this stuff. And like, it was, it was, you know, I was just into other, things but when the transformers uh michael bay movies hit i was i was down of age yeah Yeah. you were you yeah Yeah. it was and i think that i was probably too old at that point honestly well in preparation for this episode i definitely put myself back in my in my headspace that i was at you know for these movies to be coming out and where i was and I remember being very on board and very excited because I loved the Transformers and I loved Optimus Prime and I was very hopeful uh, for them. And they did do some things right, most notably getting Peter Cullen back to to voice Optimus Prime. Uh, I don't know why they put the stupid little flames on the truck or whatever. That was a that was a miss. the the first The first Transformers movie 
is pretty good. The first, the first Michael Bay one is, is a fine sort of testament to mm-hmm. Transformers and totally, you know, fine with, you know, exposing them to a new generation and, and everything like that. What followed in my opinion, not so much, but what, what is your sort of view on the Bay formers, John? <laughs> Why do you got to say it like that? Sorry. Sorry. Not... <laughs> uh, I think that they're fine. Like, your I don't optics. think that they're like, I don't think that Michael Bay's strong suit is like writing and, you know, stories that are cohesive and, and like, you know, always make sense. I think sometimes he goes to some strange places, but I think what it comes down to with those movies is just the sheer action and, and spectacle of all of it. And, um, you know, from the point of view of like seeing live action transformers, um, I thought they were fun. I thought they were really, really fun. Just the, just the devastation of, of, you know, everywhere that they, that they fought, um, the special effects like for the time were, were really, really good. And, you know, Michael Bay, the way Michael Bay shoots movies is perfect for it because it's just a bunch of like mo- motion blur and really See, fast that, cuts. So you can't, I really hate see what's that. happening. See, that's the whole uh, thing is that when I, that what I love about the, like the literal animation to me, context is King for mm-hmm. my action scenes and with the yeah. quick cuts and the, and the sort of the blur motion, if I can't tell what's going on, you completely lose my buy-in and my care factor. And that, that's yeah. one of my big issues with, with Michael Bay's action scenes. Well, and I think in, in reflection, like knowing you and knowing what you like about these kinds of properties, like <laughs> The the I, it sounds like I'm gonna shit on you, but I'm not. I promise. This is, this is not an elaborate troll. Um, the original shows were like you're following groups of transformers. Yeah, like that's who you're following. You're listening to their reasoning. It's them versus another group of transformers. Like you're fully immersed in that world. And these movies are about the perspective of the humans. It's mm-hmm. like what is it like to be a human and see these giant robots in disguise like fighting and destroying cities and things like that like it completely changes the whole perspective and the whole story that's being told because it's not about the robots anymore it's about how fucking crazy it is for the humans that these robots are even around yeah no you're that's that's a good point there definitely were aspects of that in g1 stuff like that with spike but they completely changed it in the movies the whole point of view is, is shifted in these movies yeah and there definitely were some some severe missteps, particularly as the franchise went along. Mark, what was sort of your your initial take with the the Bay Universe of Transformers? Well, I need to parrot what John said about the transition from having your you know your old G one robots that are very defined as like who they are and what it what it is. It's easy to tell like this is their story, and the human mm-hmm. is uh, decoration in the mm-hmm. background yeah. it, it raises the stakes but that's it yep. but having sam with wiki uh and shia labeouf has never been better has never been better than what he did in transformers one that was a awesome movie perfect for you didn't like disturbia disturbia was it was good but he only <laughs> got that because of this same thing with eagle eye same thing with yeah. lawless uh but but him and transformers was fantastic and sam with wiki being the shepherd for the audience into this world of these new crazy you know, elaborate robots mm-hmm. uh, worked in that regard and in, in making it relatable for, for audiences, you know, but the uptight shots of all the different mechanics swirling around was a little too much CGI, but uh, I mean, Michael Bay knows how to make an action film. Let, let, 
you know, let's not split hairs here. He makes a fantastic action film. Does he get you the know, story across every time? Did did he? Know. But, well, but you know, what what were we watching? By the end, though, when there was it, the, are the action scenes in Transformers so good? Like, the, again, there are just times where I think it got worse as it went along. It, the scale of it is impressive. And I think when you're seeing it in theaters on a giant screen, like, sure, it is. It is. It's, it's a, a spectacle. It, these were spectacle. definitional, exactly. like theatrical movies. Like, Definitely. if you don't see this in theater, it's not going to quite hit the same. Right. Uh, exactly. But, but I think how the entire first movie was put together was fantastic. It's, it's uh, interesting do. to um, think about like the animation style because uh it, you know if you were going to go like one to one you know original animation style to like doing a live action version you you would want a lot more wider like establishing shots but the way bay approaches all of his action movies yeah. is almost more like anime style where it's yeah. like a lot of a lot of like little pieces that mm-hmm. you know that you put together in your mind and like psychological closure creates the scene in your mind but like mm-hmm. but these are robots though so it's more difficult to do that i feel yeah. like right cuz you don't have context like where is yeah. this tire this tire is like yeah. seems, seems what part of part that of appendage other... yeah 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 and then and yeah. then you add in like the f- explosions and sparks and yeah it, it it's difficult to track at times yeah i wish there was less moving parts in the 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 Autobots and the Decepticons when it came to the movies because like looking at the face of like Bumblebee or Optimus Prime with the like the rotating eyes and all the extra pieces <laughs> was like frightful. Uh, it, it, it did not translate well up on the screen. Like like give them the faceplate, leave the faceplate, perfect. Because yeah. uh, I mean we're we're suspending belief, right? Here's living sure. AI robots robots in disguise yo why can't they have an actually formed face of like solid features that is malleable metal Mm. why not why does it have to be all the individual little gears and you see the stuff moving Mm. and pumping yeah uh, they are aliens they are alien robots yeah 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 so like i really like show me something a little more in that vein yeah. Right, we already had T one thousand by this point too, by the sum of at least what fifteen years or so. So yeah. we know how to make liquid metal, you know, make it malleable. <laughs> let, let, yeah, let's, let's run with it. I, I do like have to that. give, I have to give credit to Michael Bay in the in this franchise of movies. At least what she was in two of them for introducing me to Megan Fox. <laughs> Uh, who I did not who, know who she was before then. And she certainly, we're talking about Transformers having a moment because of these movies. She had a moment as mm-hmm. sort of like the it girl in terms of being like the desirable, just femme fatale, beautiful Hollywood actress. And and she is a smoke. No, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. She is a smoke. Mark, she the has hand a con- that feeds her. <laughs> Mark, you could call her out for having toe thumbs. That's like an actual condition. That, and she seems like a sweet person. How do you even got toe that? thumbs? It's <laughs> ridiculous. I have eyes. I have eyes. Bite the hand uh, that feeds you're, her. You're looking in the wrong place, <laughs> She bites friend. the hand Dude. that feeds her. <laughs> her eyes I, are up here, Mark. You she know, would I, be I, anything without Michael Bay. I oh, my say, God. I will say something negative about Michael Bay in these movies. Uh, it doesn't have to do with Transformers lore, but I was watching an interview with Michael Bay and... Oh, God, I forget who else was in this segment, but it was one of the actors in, in the movies, and they were saying how... They almost walked off the set because of how Michael Bay, uh, yes, treated people, and and it and then they were talking about him and like his theory for filmmaking, which is that he basically just treats everybody like shit, 
so that because because if because he believes that everyone needs like one villain like one thing to focus on to be upset about because mm-hmm. then all the other hard parts about making a movie they're not going to be upset about it's they're going to get out of their own way and like make good movies and so he kind of like and he like self-describes this as like sacrificing himself and putting himself on the altar of sacrifice so that's that great f- for the for the greater good of the movie oh, that's great no, no, it's he not. He has great. a vision what, and he's no, going. What it for actually it. means is he's just a fucking asshole who's finding, <laughs> who who's likes finding doing ways it. to justify treating people like shit. It that that's a complete farce in terms of management styles. You could just be nice to your employees. How about that? But instead you're some damaged freak, and so you have to go around hurting everybody else that works <laughs> for you. Well, that's why when he was shooting whatever movie it was in China and that guy threw the boombox at him, I, I applauded him as a freedom fighter and a hero. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. And look, look, like uh, no doubt the man has been extremely successful and, and Bad Boys. For better Amazing. or worse, that strategy has seemed to put together some major blockbuster hits. Uh but it's ridiculous. The justification for it's completely absurd. And, and I side with anyone who, who felt uncomfortable working for him. Cause that's, I would hate well, that too. Yeah. I side with Megan Fox as well. And she called uh, him a Nazi, for different though. reasons. Well, I side with Megan Fox, and He's if she wants, like if she wants to DM me, she can do so. About my toe thumb. Okay. All right. That's a condition that she has, and uh, as she's my future wife, Mark, I don't think you should make fun of her for it. It's very rude. Uh, let's move on. Uh, you know, it, beyond the Michael Bay Transformers franchise, there's there's been a lot of other ones over the years. But difficult to I'm, top, by the way. <laughs> Not Just very difficult the, the at all. The heights that they reached, the heights that they Listen, reached were so high. Look, Bumblebee with John Cena, just by virtue of the fact that John Cena's in it, that's awesome. I'm just uh, going by box office numbers, baby. But well, that that it well, okay. So that that I will say is you know Michael Bay's involvement or whatever he did to them aside, it is it is cool that the Transformers do do bring in the dollars. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love that that Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and the crew. Uh, that they still put butts in the seats. That's wonderful. Uh, I'm glad that we can move on from those now. And there was a point where I was worried that Michael Bay was going to take on every project from my childhood and, and ruin them. Uh, but, I, but I'm happy to learn that there are things that our children will be learning about the Transformers that do not come from Michael Bay. And this is for you two as parents. Uh, you know, you're getting to sort of show your kids the Transformers through rescue bots. What, what, what has that been like? awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it they're they're great little like vignette shows and like you know um they have like little lessons in them and they're and they're they're cool yeah i don't know they're kind of everything you want for a show for toddlers how how, how is your little one taken to it uh it's hit and miss but he he's kind of like that with everything that's not <laughs> yeah. the, the disney cars movie fair he'll come along yeah <laughs> come along mark what's it been like for you because you have yours is a little bit older a little bit older uh she calls it robots um and it's very fun it's a refreshing breath of air from Corey carson or word party or a lot oh, of these dude. other things we're uh, deep in word party i think i'm on my 17th watch oh word party that panda is soulless in the eyes we actually but, have the bailey doll somewhere around here oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but uh rescue bots is really fun because what, what's great is it, it tries to put itself within the actual like lore and theme of 
uh, Transformers with Optimus Prime in the first episode where, oh, here, we have these rescue bots that are supposed to be like these uh, like reserve troops, if you would, during dire situations. These these Autobots that are going to come down and, and help when needed, like these garrisoned right. units. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, really, we're going to treat you four as a... Uh, sort of like a PR firm for, for the Autobot cause. And you guys got to just help out this small little, little town with all their little silly needs, but shh, you're a robot in disguise. Shh, don't tell anyone. And so it's that all of the like character arc and story development is these robots hiding who they are as robots and giving all the praise to these snotty human operators are like, my plane doesn't fly right, <laughs> stupid plane. Or like, shut up, fire engine. I want to use the hose. But there, and, it's funny. Like feel- in, in, in Transformers style, there is like a weight to what they're doing, though. Like, it's important that they do it right. <laughs> which is fun too but they're I not guess. getting their like they're like limbs chopped off but, the way but the I, way you, I, like I worry about the message of like the hide who you are like no no one can <laughs> accept who you are you need to hide it you're a robot in disguise even though you know what's right and these people are stupid listen to them because don't let anyone It'll, know it teaches good <laughs> customer service skills dude <laughs> well i i'm i am very happy that you know, you're getting to show your kids the Transformers in this way. Uh, and we're going to talk about, you know, what sort of they'll be able to grow up with on the other side when we talk about the War for Cybertron trilogy. But I do have to reference a couple more things. One is our very own Imperial Commissar, Jeff Budd, uh, did the show outline for this. And uh, his annotations and notes, he's notable by his absence here as he's not a huge Transformers fan. But I couldn't pass this up, this little nugget on uh, Bumblebee, the movie. Uh, and he's one of his little subheadings is John Cena is in this. Despite his convincing performance, he actually was not a robot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. John Cena's great on film. The Marine is, one is of my all-time. Yeah, I love John Cena, John Cena, but just Cena. but just the fact that I can hear <laughs> I can hear Jeff Budd's voice in that writing is just so good. Oh it's it's god. a testament to his show outline skills. <laughs> um another note that I have to bring up before we before we go to break is the GoBots, which, you know, this will take take our listeners back to the Sega versus Super Nintendo debate, which you two were part of uh and it is one of our you know, mo- cer- certainly uh you know yeah. you were on a side certainly um but much like the sega genesis i sort of uh viewed through a certain um economic tint <laughs> in terms of the poor factor so too did i view the GoBots as like this knockoff you know oh safeway God. select brand uh robot in disguise it wouldn't be until many years later that i realized that the GoBots actually predated transformers <laughs> and they just were absorbed as is less successful therefore you know the transformers as the victors wrote the history book on that but yeah if you also, had GoBots James, as opposed I, to transformers like some, i did not sometimes not, the same like we couldn't be friends <laughs> sometimes the safeway kroger knockoffs are better too what about mr pib <laughs> I, i'm a dr pepper my... guy he got uh, his degree dr. pepper yeah absolutely and you know pib extra just trying way too hard right but if you were yeah, a gobots dr. kid dr pepper has a new cream soda out check it out mm. okay <laughs> thank you uh but if you were if you were a gobots kid i don't know there's just something 
something not all something not all there <laughs> something wasn't right uh i want to i want to end this segment though talking about botcon uh because it is just one of those things that even even before you know going to comic-con and stuff like that like i mentioned earlier in the segment going to botcon is is definitely on my list of things that i want to do and they have a transformers hall of fame ceremony uh, that they do. And Mark, you, I know really wanted to talk about this, uh, as you know, on the original run, Mark was the, the bastion of the toy hall of fame and making sure that we always talked about, you know, the museum of play and certainly, um, you know, transformers have, have their absolutely have their place there. But yeah, BotCon does a a Transformers Hall of Fame. They induct both human inductees for, you know, real people that have influenced, you know, Transformers over the years. And they also induct characters and, and stuff like that. So what do you think about this Transformers Hall of Fame at BotCon, Mark? I think, first of all, that's absolutely wonderful because we're playing with a mythos that has so many different characters and so many different uh, properties between series, movies, uh, uh, games, toy lines. It, like sometimes there was toys that didn't even have a character, and so they had to go above and beyond to include them. And that's one thing that's really cool about like the comic books is that they try to put in characters that like a toy existed. And mm-hmm. they always felt like it was always terrible getting a toy that didn't exist in your show or whatever. So let's write that guy into the script and do it. And, and so with, with all these different facets of lore, uh, let's do a Hall of Fame. I mean, Transformers is big enough now. It's really defined what robot like like yes. fans geek over. And I think it's neat that they have like the human side versus like the character side yeah. of things like what character is influential and there's some great ones that have been inducted and i'd love to like go through the list with you guys here um about yeah. who was inducted in the different classes and and how come certain people didn't show up uh just first off the bat talking about the the humans that have been inducted there uh bob Badansky, who's you know the guy that predominantly wrote all the lore and and most of the creator or mostly created all the characters that Transformers became yeah. is in there, which is fantastic. But where's Danny O'Neill? He made Optimus Prime. Without Optimus Prime, what do you got? Where's Danny it, O'Neill? It, where's Optimus Prime? Is this like our Bill Finger situation with <laughs> with Transformers? <laughs> we'll call him Optimus Prime. You do the rest. <laughs> oh my God! Well, and then you got Ono Kojin, who is the designer of the first Transformers toys. Obviously, deserves to be in there. Uh, Stan Bush, who we referenced, you know, some of those, uh, the vocalist on so many of those great songs from Transformers, the movie, the maybe the most quintessential 80s movie soundtrack of all time, along with Vince DiCola, who did, you know, he was the composer for the movie. Uh, Peter Cullen, of course, the the long standing voice of my childhood as Optimus Prime of so many people's childhoods. He is the definitive Optimus Prime now and forever uh, for everybody. It's it's Peter Cullen's Optimus Prime, and everybody else is just impersonating him, uh, in my opinion. N- uh, notable inclusion that I wish we could take out is Michael Bay is in this Hall Amazing. of Fame. But I mean, <laughs> think about it. That's what Transformers is kind of now, or at least has been the last decade. Has been. Be frank. It's changing yeah. now changing now with war cyber which i can't wait to get into you on the next panel but uh 
Yeah, Michael Bay's got to be in there. Steven Spielberg, I guess. I mean, he was involved. Yeah. Chris Latta, uh, Starscream, and of course, you know, he was on G.I. Joe as well. I mean, Cobra Commander on G.I. Joe. He's just an iconic voice actor. Uh, Frank Welker, the voice of Megatron and Soundwave. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's in the same way that Peter Cullen is the definitive Optimus, you know, Frank Welker is the definitive Megatron. Although I will say the voice actor for Megatron and Beast Wars, tremendous. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there was a miss in what they're doing with like the humans and the hall of fame is that they should have included like spike or Sam into this. Oh (laughs) yeah. Uh, You know what? I mean, I know they're characters, but like to really play up (laughs) the transformer mythos, it's like, these are the humans. Yeah. The director of the movie and you know, spike, he helped with the resistance on earth. Well, well, here's some cool notes about the hall of fame is that each human inductee is given a trophy of Optimus prime holding up the matrix of leadership, which how, how badass is that? And look, I'm not a guy, I don't have any tattoos. I don't think I'm cool enough to pull them off. But the only one that I've ever even thought about remotely is if I ever got into good shape is getting the matrix of leadership on my chest nice. uh, because oh the matrix God. of good leadership is so cool. <laughs> uh, but that's never going to happen. But I would settle for you a trophy of Optimus huh? holding it up. Uh, and then each so each character uh, it, that is inducted with the fans choice is given a music video. And the music video is set to the touch, which is just such like that. We have to go to this when they, when they resume it after, after the pandemic, it just sounds like this is right up our alley. There's so much nostalgia feels with this. Like they, they're doing it right, man. It's very good. So yeah, I'd love for us to like talk about it. So this obviously started back in 2010. And so they've been doing classes kind of like every year since, Mm -hmm. but I mean, we got to talk about the first three years. Like who is your quintessential? Who is making the cut as your definitional transformers? I, yeah. Well, I think that they got the, the, I think the first class you could have just done two from each side. You could have just, you do Optimus prime and Bumblebee and you do Megatron and Starscream because that that's G one at its core. That's mm-hmm. your leader and Optimus, your sidekick and Bumblebee, and you have the the opposing side with Megatron and Starscream on that same front. And I think in that that original first class, though, we also got Dinobot from Beast Wars, which is a which is a cool addition which is, is so great. as well. I think it's amazing that a Beast Wars character made it into the first class. Well, I and think the that the fact that it was a fan favorite pick, where it's like the fans clamor for, it, like you got to have this guy. It speaks to his impact that we were talking about earlier on Beast Wars that outside of Optimus and Megatron, I go Dinobot, you know, and I know some people would maybe say Bumblebee or Starscream and no argument that they're great. But Dinobot, just the terms of the well-written appeals that he had in Beast Wars are incredible. Uh, Notable human omissions, though. I think I think with Dare to be Stupid being in the animated movie, we got to get Weird Al in there. I want to see him holding (laughs) up that Optimus with the Matrix and giving a really weird speech. You know, (laughs) I I think that's got to happen. Any any omissions for you, Mark, that that you'd like to see uh, put in there that that jump out to you? On the character side, either one. Uh, character side, because uh, I mean, at this point, there's been quite a few different classes that have been inducted, and you have a lot of the the ones you would normally think of, like Ironhide, Soundwave, Ratchet, Waspinator, Grimlock, Jazz, Wheeljack. The list goes on. Uh, but but ones I didn't see on there, uh, 
considering you have Galvatron and you have Rodimus Prime and Ultra Magnus, which I really like Ultra Magnus. Yeah. No Unicron. Yeah, that one stood out to me too. Baddie. Unicron. You gotta have Unicron into Correct me uh, if I'm wrong, because you mentioned a name of one that I thought for sure would be in from Beast Wars, and I don't see him on this list. I don't see Rat Trap in there. Yeah, no Rat Trap, no Cheetor. Uh, If you get into the comic books, uh, Razor Beast should have been a quintessential. I mean, if you go into the Beast Wars comics, there's, I think, two different miniseries that came out. Razor Beast is the hero of that comic series. And they even go up against Unicron uh, in there, which, which which is crazy too. Uh, the fact that he's come back around into that lore as well. Um, these guys should definitely be within the, the, the top classes there. And the fact that they've gone on all these years and haven't touched them, it's crazy. Like not rat trap, not Cheetor. Um, I know they have, you know, Soundwave on here and Soundwave undeniably is one of the, coolest yeah. he's uh, one of my favorite one, one of my he was probably my favorite decepticon growing yeah. up but with him i mean you gotta have laser beak laser laser beak was on the ballot fun. this year yeah i i, I voted i vote i did vote i voted for hound who was the the transformer that turned the military g i loved hound from g1 hound was great and so he he was definitely one of my favorites growing up. So I I, I threw him my vote. It's a tough class. Laserbeak almost got it, as did Jetfire, who's who's not in there, and that's uh, which Jetfire. was surprising. Especially, especially, I mean, all three of these guys are in the new uh, War for Cybertron that we'll get into. Yes, uh, but Jetfire was such a defining role of that I, series. I, um, I, I can see him coming ahead, uh, especially with the release of that series now and the voting happening. From the human side, uh, the voice actor for Dinobot, Scott McNeil, is not in. That's a miss. Need, need to make that right. Need to fix that because he, he, is, he is a standout there. But we could, we could go on and on. Is, is there any uh, – pick another – if you have one or two that you would like to see going in for this upcoming one, who do you think it should be in there the most? Astro Train. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dude, Astro Train. He was a Triformer. So not only was he a giant space shuttle that carried all the Decepticons, he also turned into a train and a giant fucking robot. Astro Train <laughs> was dope and he loved oppressing the poor. Like, <laughs> such a good baddie. He was such a good baddie. Astro Train was awesome. Uh, and anyway, I don't see any Triformers. Just like the billionaires in level. Pittsburgh who built him. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see anything when anything of like him on this uh, gotcha i think astrotrain was cool and i don't know if you would install the uh the insectobots as one i don't think any particular oh one the, the insecticons really out yeah the insecticons yeah. ever really stood out i mean i know grimlock made it in 2012 and you don't see any of the other i don't know, see uh my my one if i had to choose and i and i didn't see him on the ballot but my one that I would have put on the ballot uh, would have been Springer from Transformers the movie. Mm. D- dude turns into a helicopter. He had like a samurai sword as well. Had some of the best lines in, in the animated film, and uh, was just a just a real standout I character throughout that I whole movie. Definitely put the uh, the Mountain Dew machine that turned into a Transformer <laughs> from the Michael Bay movies. That would that would have been your your pick, John. Yeah, you'd sure. have just inducted Michael Bay again. Yeah. <laughs> Megan Fox see, is one. Shia LaBeouf. I mean, you could have been done. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf should be on it. Didn't they also transform like an Xbox or something? 
They they've there was a uh, an Optimus Prime that transformed out of I think a PS2. Oh, that's oh, good wow. marketing right there. Yeah. Uh and and so that came out obviously a while back. As, as uh, we close out this cool. segment, uh some of the my most prized possessions today are the more recent Optimus Prime releases that are throwing it back to G1 or the animated movie. One of my pr- like prized display pieces is the Optimus Prime movie g1 optimus prime and he stands he, he goes on this little stand and you hit a button and some of the lines like spout off and stuff like that and he lights up it's an incredible piece and it is the holy grail for a lot of transformers collectors and, I, and i'm well not the holy grail i don't want to overstate it but for it in terms of just being a seminal piece it, it is very very beloved and i'm fortunate enough to to have one uh on display so they they've done such a good job with the toys, you know, all of the iterations of the series. And now we have Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy, starting with Siege. We're going to take a break. It was the first chapter on Netflix, and we're going to talk about it on the other side on the Best Damn Nerd Show. Hi, I'm Mark Truex, and you may know me as the CSO of Star Labs from the Best Damn Nerd Show, and I'd like to invite you to join me and the Imperial Commissar Jeff Budd on another podcast of ours, the Ultra Monthly Podcast, a retrospective and monthly show where we dive deep into the Ultraverse, the 1990 superhero comic book universe from Malibu Comics. And we believe it's prime time. The Ultraverse got the love it always deserved. Are you an Ultraforce fan? We are too. You missed the glory of the 90s comic book boom? So do we. And are you obsessed with these ultras? Damn right we are. And you can join us monthly as we geek out over classic characters like Prime, Mantra, Rune, and the Nightman. So jump on now to the Ultra Monthly Podcast and subscribe today on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts are found. It's me, Iron Sh- No. Iron Nerd Minmaxer, Hanzo Gonzo, inviting you into Kitchen... No, 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 no. Uh, the Tenno Media Arena to see whose nerdiness will reign... Sup- no, no, we're going to get sued. If you uh, Will triumph a lot, Lee. Come check out all the battles on the Tenno Media Network Patreon, or you can just skip to the parts where Steve physically breaks something for no reason. See you there. It's the Microphone Alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, and when I'm not verbally super-kicking Last Jedi fans on the Best Damn Nerd Show or fantasy casting The Rock in another movie on the DLC, well, that's when I actually get to talk about wrestling. That's right. Come join me in the Wrestling War Room, where I take my mic to the mat and launch my hot takes about the Wednesday Night War between AEW and NXT. The Wrestling War Room. Which side are you on? And welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show. One final segment, and we are going to be getting into Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy Siege on Netflix. It's only six episodes, so if you haven't watched it, pause this part of the podcast or the YouTube video. Go watch it. Come back, because we're going to get into all sorts of spoilers and everything for Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy here with Chapter 1, Siege. Overall thoughts, Marco, before we get into the detail. So when I first put this on, I was trying to get my daughter hooked onto it because Which we I appreciate that, Mark. You're doing the Lord's work. We were already watching Rescue Bots. I was like, yeah, you know, this is fine. But like, I want more Optimus Prime and stuff. 
uh and, and like i'm a ratchet guy let me see some ratchet and so when this came out you are ratchet it, my god is it much darker than what rescue <laughs> boss was putting out there or i mean yeah it, i'd it, say it's quite yeah, a, it's it, quite a leap <laughs> it, it was quite a tonal change yeah and, and it was great i mean because it took what you know aspects of the movie that i enjoyed growing up where there again there's stakes and there's consequences and it seems a little more uh real and grit to it right i mean it's the civil war happening uh and and it felt very much in vain of that but it treated it with just utmost respect and and the story that was laid out there and the way that they they did it where you can really hop on here without having <clears throat> any other transformers because it's introductory between optimus prime and bumblebee uh yeah. it's setting the stage and gives you all the information you need to know about where the civil war is now uh, with what's happening and the fact that it's just a six uh, episode miniseries makes it extremely digestible as a movie. You can sit down and just bust it out in one night. Yeah, no oh, you you bust it out. Look, full disclosure, uh, I've watched it all the way through twice already, uh, and certain episodes more times than that. And so it is, it is a very easy, quick watch at, at only six episodes. Uh, the animation, which we'll talk more about beautiful it, it looks it looks like great. it looks like g1 transformers meets beast wars with the 2020 animation facelift like in terms yeah. of how they did it which is it, tremendous it looks, it looks iconic but it looks better mm. yeah it, it, it's, and it's look I, I will like the, always the be partial to the to the 80s style. i will always be partial to the 80s animation style but again, if we're going to get this animation style, this is probably as good as it gets uh, from that front. So they, they did a really good job with that. I, I do like the tone and tenor of the series. I, and Mark's right. You can jump on right here. And because they're doing certain things differently, you don't really need to know much more than that. If you do, you'll appreciate certain things. And I venture to guess that as we get into chapter two and three, uh, when they, whenever they do come out, you'll appreciate things even more. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. And I do have some, uh, to the shock of no one, some minor issues with it. But I left feeling like, this is Transformers in a really good place. And I'm very excited for, you know, maybe people that are, you know, a little older than your kids, but not much older, you know, the, of like my age, when, when I first discovered the Transformers, being able to watch this show and fall in love with these characters and the story and everything like that. So as opposed to how I felt maybe seeing kids with the Michael Bay Transformers on their backpacks and stuff like that, this War for Cybertron trilogy, I think it has Transformers proper and the main story arc in just a really, really cool spot. And so I'm very heartened overall by this show. And I, and I just, I, 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 I thought it was a really fun time and full disclosure. Uh, another friend of mine, Mark uh, texted me that he said, it's this transformer show is great, real different in some ways, but I like it. And my response to that was real different. Uh Oh, uh, and he said stuff like when the show opens, Bumblebee is on his own, hasn't picked a side yet. And I, w I sort of responded. I was like, hasn't picked a side yet. Like I came in sort of skeptical about what they were doing. Uh, but they, they nailed it, especially in terms of the Bumblebee character and certain other things. John, you have some sort of interesting tales about this, this show. Can you, uh, can you share with our audience sort of your, uh, involvement on it in a weird way? 
Yeah, I mean, involvement. I wasn't, you know, pr- directly part of the production, but I was working. John voiced Optimus Prime, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was working at uh, Machinima when they first sold this show to Netflix. And it was the Machinima, like, development team that sold it. And Machinima was going to do all the production and animation, everything for it. Um, and then in 2000, at the end of 2000, God, the end of 2018, uh, AT&T bought Warner Brothers and then closed Machinima. So this project was kind of like floating around for a little bit. One of Warner Brothers' other like companies took the project on and have, has seen it to completion. But it was, you know, the, it was still produced by that same team that started it at Machinima. So while I was there working on completely unrelated projects, we were doing like table reads for this project and like helping them with the timings of, of the writing and, and they were like recording it and doing like initial sketch work for it. So um, it was, it was cool to see them, you know, conceptualizing it at the beginning. And I will say like FJ and Matt, who really like carried the torch for this thing from beginning to end had a lot of reverence for the original series. I mean, Matt is our age. FJ is a little bit older, but like they, clearly had a lot of respect uh for the original series and clearly are fans of it uh and i think it really shows in the work um and it's it's uh it's cool to like you know have been near the the genius that put this together that's super rad i could take more credit for it no but that's still super (laughs) rad again just to be in that proximity god i would have been losing my mind to be that close to this this production (laughs) yeah you know at the time i was so busy on what i was working on that i probably didn't like appreciate it fully but like you know sitting at a table i don't even remember like what character i like voiced for the table read that i was, was helping them with but like sitting at a table with all my coworkers and we're like reading one of the scripts i don't even think it's one of the scripts from like this first part of the miniseries i think it's one from like later on because i didn't recognize oh. any of it oh uh, Ironhide. yeah <laughs> but uh but it was yeah it's uh I guess I didn't appreciate it enough, you know, now in retrospect, seeing this, the series and what it looks and feels like. Um, but also like, I'm not, you know, admittedly, like I'm not a huge like animation guy. So it's also, it was just hard for me to like imagine how it would all come together. But I'm, I gotta say, I'm very proud of these guys for what they did. Yeah. I mean, the, the reviews are in and, and everybody is really loving, you know, this series. Mark, what really stood out to you on on the positive side from this show, like in terms of characters or moments that you really liked? I liked how it wasn't like these super one dimensional characters. The fact that you start off with a bumblebee that hasn't chosen this side, uh, kind of a darker, broody bumblebee than this jovial t- disc jockey talking guy that's in the Michael Bay stuff. You know what I mean? Uh I, I like that initial tonal shift that was in there and that Wheeljack was u- used as like the shepherd to bring him into the fold it was mm-hmm. great because Wheeljack always had this amazing look to him, but I didn't know enough about him. I just know he looked awesome and he had the glowing face cheeks, you know? Yeah, and I always a- loved Wheeljack and it's actually a cool allusion to G1 that I believe the first two Transformers we see in the first episode are Wheeljack and Bumblebee, just like in this series. Yeah, and so it was cool for me getting to be introduced to him and the way that they find Ratchet as kind of this like rogue medic out in the field, just saving anyone he can. Again, like kind of <laughs> denouncing his Autobot mm-hmm. uh, self 
Um, but but wanting to continue doing good and fixing people and being this 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 lone surgeon out there was great. So just overall, the tone of it really spoke to me, and just the way that they crammed so much lore into mm-hmm. what they were doing in the show. Not only with introducing the uh, the guardians, which I had no concept about. I don't, I don't <laughs> know how new that concept is or not because uh, I wasn't a part of GS one, uh, but. The guardians with these like giant, almost celestial like robots that that can't be bothered with the civil war. We're gonna sit back and watch how this. Yeah, transpires. almost like the Watchers. Yeah. Some yeah. guardians you are. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Well, Optimus like, even says as much in in the yeah. show, which was a cool moment. You had but one it was, job. It was cool seeing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, that, and then going to the um, what was it like the the Sea of Rust. Mm-hmm. And like, like there's this mythical badlands where you go there and then like these kind of zombie like uh, looking you know, for another spark, which was a, a very cool idea. Spark what was just the way like the walking dead, but in transformers yeah. and the world building they put within what was happening on Cybertron. What what was crazy and, and just the character development they had because they had all, all the, you know, the, the people you wanted to see like Wheeljack, like Ratchet. Um, I Jetfire was a little newer for me. I, mm. I didn't know a whole lot more about him, and the fact that they took him from Decepticon, uh, spoiler to Autobot, uh, kind of at the end, what was a great story. Because again, I, I, I'm a Dinobot fan, and seeing this yeah. transition of someone that's like, "Look, I'm towing the company line, and I know this is what we have to do," but what you're preaching now goes against the actual evolution and. And sustainability of our race, like like this is not actually what you're doing. You're going over your own perverted goals. Uh, was kind of his thought. Yeah, I want to I, I want to jump in right there because I think if you had to pick an MVP of Chapter One with Siege, I think it's Jetfire. I th- I think he had the you know Bumblebee close, but I think Jetfire had this really cool characterization. And him switching sides is not a new idea. You know, he was sort of this explorer that had landed on Earth, you know, before the Autobots and Decepticons. And he's, you know, with Megatron in the one episode and sort of realizes by the end, it's like, yeah, these aren't my people. And he joins up with the Autobots. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's he's with them for a much larger part of, you know, this chapter. And so you get to see him uh, on both sides of it, which is really cool. By the, by the end, he has he, he is an honorable character. And he sort of, when you first are introduced to him, you think maybe he's a little bit more bloodthirsty. But one, how he is animated is some of the best. Like how they do his sword and everything is really cool. Uh, his his characterization, everything about him, I feel like screamed that he was the MVP of chapter one and to me. Just the way he treated Starscream. Because like you come into this, you know Megatron, you know Starscream. Again, those are like the MVPs of of the Decepticon lore in general. And the fact that you have Starscream starting to lip up, acting very Starscreamy, and his <laughs> hand severed off by Jeff. I just feel like, <laughs> shut up. Right no, away. we're doing this. This is my call. Like, you ain't stepping out of line. Uh, that just elevated Jeff. I was like, oh, he's a big bad. And yeah. then seeing how he interacts with Megatron, which I actually really liked how they did Megatron, because he seemed more like a... Um, I want to say like a benevolent despot, but very much like a reluctant one where it's like he really wanted to do something good, but he kept getting this dark, twisted uh, means to achieve his goals, uh, both with the influence of Starscream and the influence of Shockwave as like this mad scientist character. And Jetfire was his 
you know, sergeant or, or corporal that was trying to be like, well, let's let's keep doing this way. Like I, you have a good vision. Let's do it the right way. Meg- um, Megatron is very much in this series, I- at least at the outset, somebody who has lived long enough to see himself become the villain. And, and I like the approach that these Autobots and Decepticons, you know, they're, they're, they're playing on the fact that, look, they were at one point fighting for the same thing. And at a certain point, there was a schism where Megatron made a choice, murdered Alpha Trion, and became a perversion of what he was fighting for. And, and, I, and I thought they did that layering really well uh, in, in this series in a lot of ways. Like, one of my favorite scenes from the whole series is Ultra Magnus. First of all, when Ultra Magnus shows up in the cloak, at the Decepticon base, yeah. even even though it doesn't really make sense that he would be cloaked, it's such a cool visual, and it is a really standout visual from the whole series. But the scene where they're sitting across from another at the table, and like, do you remember the Battle of Tarnhauser Gate, and save how they talk about they mutually saved one another's lives, and just talking about this war is just two old war generals talking uh, about past battles. I was like, God, this is this is some good stuff right here. And even though he's killed pretty early on, well, I guess midway through the series, Ultra Magnus loomed really large in this in this thing. And I think uh, they did him justice as well, even though at first I'm like, oh, man, they're having Ultra Magnus surrender. What are they doing to this guy? But then you get it and you understand what's going on. I, I thought I thought he was really, really good. And as they didn't go down the road of trying to kill off Optimus, obviously, with, you know, the, the state of the timeline that we're in here, but killing off ultra Magnus here. I was, I was surprised and I I thought it came off really well. Yeah. They did a couple deaths that I thought worked extremely well again for upping the stakes and so forth, but, but none of them was, was pointless throwaways like (laughs) ultra Magnus using him. And then again, like uh, just desecrating his body. Oh uh, God. Yeah. It's terrible. After the alpha trion particles. Which I was just a piece of lore that I wasn't familiar. I mean, you know, I know the matrix of leadership and, and that was Optimus Prime, but the Alpha Trion particles, where it's like all the sentient knowledge in the past for Autobots, I thought was really cool lore that was just unfamiliar to me. And the fact that they were able to wipe it out with a computer virus by by harvesting Ultra Magnus's husk, if you would, and weaponizing it, uh, <laughs> was really dark, but but a really yeah. cool turn when you. Well, Shockwave like, oh, was wow. very much so like a Fabius Bile or the yep. I forget the Game of Thrones character. Shockwave an- was analog. Great. I really liked him. Yeah, uh, and we, you know I could have done with some more Soundwave, but uh, you know yep. another another death that was was, you know, pardon the pun, but it was impactful, was Impactor. Who Impactor is a was awesome. Decepticon churned quasi-Autobot ally, at least Ratchet's ally, and his death was really good. And, like, the fact that he saw, you know, he thanks Ratchet for showing him the light right before he dies, and just, uh, he was great. Uh, I loved Mirage in this, too, and sort of him putting so himself cool. on the line. Yeah. Uh, who who are some great. of your other standout characters from this? Uh, Ratchet acting as the rogue doctor, of course, which led into the evolution of Impactor and his sacrifice was essential. Um, Moonracer, Moonracer was super cool. Uh, all all the the female bots because previous to this, I only really knew RC from yeah. the uh, from the movie, and I would and so, I would have loved some more of her. 
Yeah, and, I and she did some good stuff with um, what's his name? Like Shadow Box or yeah, like the off brand and um, and Bumble. They had their wave. cool little mission. Oh, uh, Sound yeah, Blaster. Sound Blaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They Shadow did their Box mission there to get some like <laughs> black market Energon, but yeah, but the fact that you had RC, you had Alita One, who was basically the uh, the stand in Ultra Magnus after he departed, and then you had Moonracer. Uh, these three fembots uh, were all really strong Chromia. characters. Yeah, uh, Chromia. Yeah, Chromia looked like uh, Cup. Yep, and what Alita One like to s- me, Alita One was great, and and Chromia was like this super sniper, uh, just often people, and then the like a death that was super impactful is when they're going against the Sparkless in the Sea of Rust is Moonracer, how she just gets devoured by these Sparkless bots. Uh, that was a heavy thing because again, you're you're with this character for all these yeah. episodes, and you're going along with her on this mission, and she's the sacrifice that's made, uh, yeah, to get the job done. I thought I thought Alita One was was along maybe with Jetfire, Bumblebee, and Alita One from the Autobot side in terms of, uh, you know, who really stood out that maybe you know got lots of time to shine. She was really cool, and I I, I just I I loved all of that. Uh, Were it you was shipping her. Were you shipping oh, her for sh- I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I was going. Yeah, because you have that sort of romantical moment in I bl- the on. first episode. Absolutely, it was, and they didn't overdo it. And I, I thought it was really good. Just the illusions there. Definitely shipping her and Optimus, and that's why it makes it all the more sort of poignant that she, just like in G1, stays behind on Cybertron to fight the good fight. I, I do have to point out in terms of something negative. That they that I feel like was a a drawback to this trilogy, and I think that they will correct it in the future chapters. It, they did a lot of the characters justice with some cool new twists. I don't think that they nailed Optimus Prime. He was he he had a lot of standout lines and stuff like that. I did not appreciate how he got his ass handed to him at almost every turn. Uh, with with no real sort of explanation, they they could have laid it on a little thicker. Oh, he's low on Energon, but Megatron whooped that ass right in Episode One. I was like, okay, like I'm I'm fine with Megatron getting the better of him, but Optimus was just like flailing around, was completely ineffective, and and not only that, he was. And I know where we're at in the timeline, and they're trying to show him growing into this leader, but it's kind of incongruent in certain parts where they're like sort of out of hope. You know, and he's he's making bad decisions. Like he's a bad leader in, in a lot of respects in this in this first chapter. And I have a feeling that they're going to come correct on that in chapters two and three. But I thought they I thought they did it a little. He was a little too inept in in the in siege here for me. Well, what I think is what they were it's trying to do. And important, important yeah. to note is that. Uh, in the timeline of what's happening here is that very much the Decepticons are ruling Cybertron yes. at this point. And Autobots are the uh, the remnants of the these uh, heathenous rebels trying to overthrow the status quo now. I mean, they even and, say most of them say they're not even soldiers in the first episode, right? They're just they're quite just been, there's people like not claiming one side it. or the other. Yeah, it's like this is just what's happening. And. What's really neat is like the battle damage that you see upon mm-hmm. Megatron and Optimus, and and for us to get established into what's happening in the story that here's this leader he's very altruistic and they kind of go through that through a few different dialogue scenes, 
but like, yeah, he's he's a bit at the end of his rope. I mean, there's only so much you can throw yourself in front of a grenade before it takes its toll. You know what I mean? And and that's what this whole like Hail Mary of a mission to get this final Energon to open the space bridge to get the Ark flying and get the hell out of here. I'm uh, fine with all of that. To be achieved. I, I'm fine with all of that. He does come off, though, I think if you were to watch it again, as a little too sort of inept or in, ineffective at times. And, and that, again, as we've talked about this whole, the whole Transformer segments here about what Optimus Prime is, he's already gone through this war, you know, to, you know, I assume overthrow the Quintessons and, you know, fighting alongside Megatron and Ultra Magnus and Alpha Trion and stuff like that. He is tested. It's not his first rodeo. And he, he is a little bit in, ineffective, a little bit too inept at times during this first chapter and i i hope they correct that because i think even though we couldn't have peter cullen i think i think the voice actor did a really good job i think he looks great i i loved how optimus looked in this series which you know compared to the bay formers and stuff like that optimus hasn't always looked uh good to me outside of g1 or some of the other iterations he looked great here but i would have liked to have I, I thought he should have gotten a couple more hero moments in this first chapter. I'm not saying dominate because again, then where's like the friction, where's the central tension, but a little bit like if I'm a kid and I'm watching Optimus Prime, it's like, God, this guy, this guy just can't do anything right. Why and, is he the leader? Yeah. Why is he the leader? <laughs> and also there's the moment where they're talking about taking the all spark off of Cybertron and how that will kill Cybertron. And Optimus is just cool with it. He's like, he's just going to do it anyway. That's a problem. That's a big problem. It's not that I think he's ineffectual. It's that he's a little too stubborn. It's like, this is my thought. And people are like, I don't know, Optimus. He's like, no, it's my thought. Is what we're doing. He consults he, with like Alita One. To anyone, he consults with Alita One quite a bit, though during during the well, show he talks and to confides her and he in her. her down when she has an opinion that differs from what he wanted to do from the outset. <laughs> I don't think that was it. <laughs> I, get, I get accused of that at home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like you just want me to agree with you? No, dude. Alita, that was the whole thing. Alita One at one point calls him out, and it's like microseconds ago you were questioning this whole plan, and <laughs> it's like, oh man, why? Yeah. Why why is he the leader? <laughs> We're going to do these three things and hopefully it works. And I'm taking the all spark off of Cybertron, even though according to legend, it will kill the planet we're from, which is crazy. <laughs> that, yes. I mean, that is pretty hard, but it's kind of like, yeah, but you know, we're Autobots and they're Decepticons. So screw them. They well, I, I think the mines working. While I just we're, like, I, out in the glory of the sun. Well, and I like that layer too of sort of the patrician aspect. There's like the patrician and plebeian aspect of you know these factions coming together and fighting for the common cause, but there still is that sort of socio angst from the Decepticons towards the Autobots that they played off really well. It was hard for me seeing Ratchet be such a prick to Prime because Ratchet's one of my favorite characters, and he is not having any of Optimus stuff. It played well. He's not drinking the cooler. Yeah, and the and I get that that I'm looking forward to seeing what Ratchet and Optimus's relationship is like at the end of this series because I I hope that they pay this off and we get Paragon Prime and he is just this badass and maybe explain explain why his power level increases because his power level's got to increase and he's got to get the big blaster rifle and he has to wreck shop he needs some big time hero moments moving forward in this series uh, but that that was my my biggest issue with the series was 
uh, Optimus Prime sort of leadership issue. And I, and I get the story they're trying to tell. I think they may have just laid on his ineffectuality a little bit too thick uh, here in chapter one. I think the other thing is I wish there were more episodes. You know, so that I think if we it was a longer first chapter, maybe we could have seen more of that growth in him by the end. So maybe that wouldn't have been as much of a problem. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty concise story and how it's paced out. I mean, definitely by I want to say like episode three, you were just binging the rest of it. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it did. It did keep right getting better and better as it went just, along, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, which makes it a nice, concise chapter into the overall arc they're going. So I'm really excited about the fact that they've already kind of teased out there what the second and the third chapters are going to be like and where the story is evolving to. Uh, it just gives me hope. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, it, absolutely. And I, I think the main takeaway from this, like I said at the start, Transformers, including Optimus, despite certain misgivings about how he was treated, they're all in a very good place overall with this War for Cybertron trilogy. Chapter two, Earthrise, I think we're all, we all know where they're going there. And I think that maybe is where we're going to see what I want from Prime and everything and him coming into his own. And I want him to be that inspirational leader that that when hope dwindles, he kindles and, and everything like that. I want to hear a very authoritative transform and roll out. I love in this series that they use till all are one as a battle cry It's such a nice homage. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is such a nice homage to transformers, the movie. And then chapter three is going to be kingdom. And so kingdom wars, is bringing in Beast Wars to the War for Cybertron trilogy, revisiting uh, a part of the Transformers properties that hasn't been touched in a long time. And that has me so freaking excited to see how that's going to be weaved into it. Mark, I know is that sort of your one of your primary uh, integrations into Transformers. Like, did you ever expect that to be coming for this? Because I, I didn't know that was coming. And I'm, I'm stoked. Not in the slightest. Just the fact that they tried touching Beast Wars in comic books and only came out with two four-issue miniseries uh, since it ended, what, 15 years ago or something, uh, just made me think that they were just kind of leaving it alone, uh, especially playing with, with these original characters as they are. The fact that they're folding it back in and that it's the part, it's going to be the crescendo of this giant three-part story of Transformers uh, for for this new audience is thoroughly exciting. I, I can't wait to see what they do. And I got to have a Cheetor, got to have a Rat Trap, got to have a <laughs> Dinobot. I really hope they bring these guys back into the fold. Yeah, no, I, I, I do too. Like, especially, yeah, gosh, I just, I did not think that that was where they would be going with this. But the fact that they are, and again, I alluded to the beautiful animation, the Beast Wars characters are going to look great in this animation style. Maybe John read a Dinobot line. I don't know. Um, but I think that this, this series just has me thoroughly excited for where they're going to go. And, you know, some people cite the sort of the alpha Trion, uh, what was the alpha Trion protocols or whatever is is sort of like a red herring story. I think those are going to come back into play with Bumblebee later on. It, it, it may be somehow restored in some manner, shape, or form. Maybe he has knowledge about the Maximals and the Predacons or something like that. I, I don't know. But it re- all remains to be seen, but I'm very excited to see Chapters 2 
and three as we go here. So do yourself a favor. If you haven't watched Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy Siege, watch it and then get in on the conversation with us here. Uh, and it just, I just, I love talking the robots in disguise with y'all. But before we go tonight, uh, John, you have a little bit of a fan interaction that uh, we wanted to maybe get to here as we as we close oh, yeah. out the program. Are you talking about the email? Yes. Okay, let me pull it up. Where yeah. can they email us, John? Uh, you can email us at hosts at bestdamnerdshow.com or we have a Dear Nerdy channel in the Discord, which is bestdamnerdshow.com slash Discord. So uh, definitely hit us up there. Absolutely. Uh, so this is from someone after listening to the uh DC EU episode from last week. Excellent. Um, so funny. Believe it or not, my favorite segment of this episode was John trolling the Firefly community. LOL. <laughs> Could we get some more of that, please? And just so the brown coats out, brown coats out there don't don't brown their shorts with anger. I am a fan of Nathan Fillion and Firefly, but the reason I emailed is I'm finding that there's not enough feel good OG sci fi shows on TV anymore. Everything's too dark and serious. Are you guys feeling any fatigue or is it just me? I'm really enjoying the Orville and I Hmm. hope we can get a few more shows that head back in that direction. I would love another Star Trek, Stargate, Kolchak, or even an X-Files reboot series um, that have more hopeful monsters of the week entertainment, monster of the week entertainment. What do you guys think? Am I getting too old or do you agree? Thanks for the great show and all the joy you spread on a weekly basis. John, keep up the Lord's work. Your friend. (laughs) Uh, well, Look, the trolling, I promise you this, as long as we are doing this, the trolling will not stop. So, uh, you have John no got word. his master's degree in trolling, so yes. he, he will, he will not stop doing that in terms OG of sci-fi shows, OG sci-fi or, or hopeful. Uh, this is this transformer series we were talking about definitely dark and gritty, so it might not be your fair, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Mark, what, what say you to that? So there is one. It's uh, from the Arrowverse, if we're talking DC properties. Uh, most of those shows actually are very much formulaic Monster of the Weeks in, in, in a fashion. But the DC Legends of Tomorrow uh, reminds me of these old school sci-fi shows because it is a ragtag group of all different conflicting personalities that are traveling through time week after week, facing some big baddie in 1960s, 1800s, things like that come across different historical characters. So it's like sliders (laughs) with DC superhero comic Mm -hmm. book characters. Uh, So it's very fun hijinks in that fashion. There is story that arcs episode to episode linking it together, but it's very much like, oh, this time we're doing old West hijinks. And run back to the spaceship. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, uh, you know, going into like the 60s and, and meeting Janis Joplin and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it might be it might be worth a kick to check that out. Uh, it's very I, much in the vein of those kind of like 90s, early 2000s sci fi shows. I, I would recommend to him. Uh, I, w- I would recommend to him firing up uh, Firefly. If he if he hasn't watched it recently, <laughs> oh my god, and enjoying it because I I enjoy Firefly I hope quite that's a bit. Not available on any streaming and, and, and it it sounds like that's uh, right up his alley. But no, I I, I do get it that there is, uh, you know, I think sci-fi in general could stand for another sort of uh, moment as as it were. But John, Dude, what do you recommend? There's some gems on Netflix though. But I would I would say like if you want something lighthearted, uh, Space Force is fun. Although it's not sci-fi, it's it's still about spacey things. Oh yeah, I actually haven't. Times. I, I've seen a couple episodes. Of that it was pretty funny. The the two episodes I've seen, I've not but picked it back up. Again. There's some gems on Netflix. Altered Carbon. Have you guys yeah. watched that? 
I have not, great, but I but I've heard it's, it's a dark just show. Phenomenal. Definitely not lighthearted. It's dark. I, yeah, it's, I don't look. It's I don't a great have sci-fi show. I don't have any lighthearted recommendations for you, but that is a great sci-fi show. Uh, they have two seasons on Netflix. It's amazing, amazing show. Yeah. Uh, and then Travelers. Have you watched that one, Mark? Mm-mm. Travelers is a really, really good show. It's okay. uh, it takes place in like modern day, but. Uh, uh, people in the future are living in this dying world and they are trying to come back in time and uh, kind of like right the wrongs of history so that their world is improved in the future. And what they do is like when they like map the point in history that someone dies and they like inject their consciousness into that person's body. So the travelers are the agents who are now in the modern day trying huh. to like and every episode, there's like a new like mission that they have to go on because they form up these little squads. But then because they're changing the future, there's like different factions that are rising in the future. They start coming back in time. So now you have like modern day with like future consciousness in these bodies that are like at war with each other. It's a really, really good show. Highly Dude, I'm going to I'm going to check that, that out. Absolutely. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that there's sounds some great. other shows that have passed uh, just in case like people missed them. Um, Falling Skies with Noah Wiley. That was a, I believe it was on sci-fi back in the day. It's ended, I think it went four seasons, something like that, continued in a comic for a bit. But that was really good uh, where, I mean, it was definitely serious, but it had it had more of like a BSG feel to it. Mm. It was serious, but it had a, a kind of lighthearted cadence to it. Maybe like each episode might end up with a moral or something yeah. going on in the situation uh, in that regard. But falling size was fantastic where basically there's just this alien invasion that came to earth and it's the human resistance fighting back against these bugs. Hmm. Um, really fun. Um, some of the character development they did in there, some of the action sequences they did, the the alien monsters were pretty cool. Sometimes a little too CGI and hordes, but uh, falling skies was a phenomenal show as well as um, again, a little bit, darker but colony mm, yeah a, Every, everything is every really sci-fi show is dark so it kind yeah of a little bit what this nowadays but yeah like you know what check you, out you check out war for cybertron like heart <laughs> falling for skies has a lot of heart to it and that light hearted dude uh, yeah i, I say you just go back and watch battlestar again like, forget it. You don't need anything but Battlestar in your life. Well, if he is looking for lighthearted, again, not trolling, Firefly has a lot of that in there. And it is <laughs> it is a very fun show. Ay, ay, ay. You know, Nathan, not calling me back anymore. So <laughs> thanks <laughs> for that. Uh, oh, this has man. been a lot of fun uh, talking Transformers with you all. I just I, I, I hope it's come across how. Uh, excited uh, we all were. Me in particular. I mean, I almost, you know, laying all, almost got emotional right in the early going <laughs> talking Transformers as Mark was recounting things that we used to do when we were younger. But it is such a very, very fun property. And I'm sure uh, we will talk Transformers again at some point here in the Best Damn Nerd Show. But I'm glad we got to give it its due tonight. That is going to do it for this edition of the Best Damn Nerd Show. Have a great week, everyone. And remember, if you're a nerd... Always say it loud and say it proud. Roll out. Hey, everyone. Chris Seglia, CEO of the Tenno Media Network here. Thank you so much for listening to our content, but we need your help. Please rate us five stars, subscribe, and give us a shining review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really, really helps us out. And one more thing, please tell a friend if you can. Tell them Tasty Steve 
Hanzo Gonzo, Markman, Rip, Ricky Replay, or someone who everyone loves sent you or something. That might help. Anyway, again, thank you for listening. And if you want more, make sure to check us out at www.ten-o.gg. www.ten-o.gg. You're listening to the 10010 Media Network.